back as I could remember, I always wanted to be a gangster. Lakeville South Marching Band, 9 to noon, Thursday, 9 o'clock. Paul Allen, good morning. Buffalo Wild Wings Crystal tomorrow. Buffalo Wild Wings Minneapolis Monday. And he shot the Golden Gophers Marching Band joins us at Buffalo Wild Wings adjacent to your stadium Monday. What's up? It's 9 to noon. Hold on to your butts. To noon. Stop telling me to hold on to my butt. Nobody wants to hold on to their freaking butts. E A. He is I and I is he. Time for two more. Time for eight and a half more segments. Thursday. Fire away. Jones lined up here to the left. Bunch look right. Ryan gonna throw. Here's Coleman at the five. He'll beat Nikovic to the end zone. Touchdown Atlanta. There's too many weapons, Wes. They got too many guys to pay attention to. Julio Jones does double coverage. Ryan looks that way. Coleman slips out the other side in the flat. Nikovic is gonna have to knee. He's gonna need some help to cover 26 in the right flat. Tom takes a step. Quick throw to Amendola. Screen left. A flag as he reaches across the goal line for a score. There is a penalty marker on the play. They're off sides. That's it. The Patriots with an apparent two-point conversion. A conference by the officials. It's a tie game in Super Bowl 51. High fives for everybody. Give me some. What are you looking at, Beetle? I can't believe it. Tonight, baby. Second and goal to go from the two. Toss sweep right for James White. Cuts it under the right arm. Cuts it upfield. Driving forward. It's diving to the goal line. It's still a touchdown. And a title for the Patriots. I can't believe it. They have completed the greatest comeback in Super Bowl history. Led by the greatest quarterback. Look at Brady. In Super Bowl and NFL Adults. NFL back tonight. Chiefs Patriots. High fives for everybody. What's up? 9 to noon on a Thursday. Brian Heating and Cooling Studios. Paul Allen, FM 100.3. The fam. The Minnesota Vikings-New Orleans Saints game can get here anytime now. Absolutely vibing the Twins in their cool win yesterday. Go Twins. Fat-ass series against the Royals beginning this evening. Go Twins. Give us that wild-card game we so richly deserve. And a cool night at Yankee Stadium in early October. Yep, super excited. 
for Kansas City and the Patriots this evening. Yep, can't wait for Seattle at Lambeau Field on a chill Sunday. But Monday Night Football opens things for the Minnesota Vikings. It's not them or the Vikings, it's us. The Love Covenant comes together and looks at the team as we and us. Copyright Tom Petty? Indeed. The waiting is the hardest part. The Vikings start the week of practice for the game today, and the game is a life changer. Zimmer talking about the game is carried on our radio show via a press conference at 11.15. The whole thing is fantastic. But so is the New Orleans Saints offense. With that, let's kick off the 2017 A-Topic Exchange. A-Topic Exchange. Barr, Kendricks, Linval, Tom, Shamar, Jaleel, B-Rob, Everson. We need some middle pressure to mash this guy, Drew Brees. Back to pass. He's hit, and he is sacked for a fourth time today. This time he's sacked by Brian Robinson. It'll be third and 11. Only two quarterbacks in the history of the National Football League have thrown for more than 70 yards, uh, 70,000 yards. Peyton Manning and Brett Favre. Right behind them, 3,889 yards behind the diminutive slinger, Drew Brees. He's a game changer. Now, they got Adrian Peterson, Mark Ingram, and Alvin Kamara. And uh, they used more unbalanced lines, meaning an extra offensive lineman, than any team in the NFL last year. So don't be surprised if they try to mash on you, Linval, and they try to run at you, Mr. Zimmer. But when Drew Brees passes, middle pressure from those like Linval and Tom and B-Rob and Everson when they're in there and the linebackers, middle pressure is supremely important to slowing Drew Brees. That kicks off a topic exchange. A topic exchange. For me, it is Drew Brees related, but what happens when he actually gets to throw the ball? Third and five from the Vikings 13. David fails to the end zone incomplete. Mackenzie Alexander on the coverage. Antone Exum uh, late on the scene. And Mackenzie Alexander just absolutely blew it. He got into the face of wide receiver Jakeem Grant, who, with all due respect to our favorite team, has torched the Vikings tonight. Taunting. Yeah. Unsportsmanlike conduct. Number 20. 20, the defense. That's no good. After this to the goal, automatic first down. I assume the Vikings called the Seahawks at halftime of that final preseason game to deal for Tremaine Brock. Penalties in bad spots last year created problems both for a stagnant offense and then in keeping the defense on the field for extra snaps with opportunities to the opponent to score points. They'll spread us out a bit on Monday night, even without Willie Sneed. And no matter how stout our defense is, Drew Brees will get his. And if we give him second chances in key areas, he's going to dagger us. Grow up, McKenzie. Don't do stupid stuff and be ready to play your ass off. A topic exchange. They came to see Adrian Peterson, but left talking about main man Sam. Play action, Bradford steps up. Deep shot, digs, caught at the 35-yard line. And he left his feet to bring it in. He's touched down at the 32. Bradford to step on digs. 42 to the good. First down, Vikings. 
A Topic Exchange. Big chance for Sam Bradford to go for 300 plus. I believe in the protection. Elf Line has played in huge games. Morgan can help Remmers. Reef will be fine. Defensive end Cameron Jordan, that's a problem. 17 tackles for loss last year, according to NFL.com, number one in the NFL. Cameron Jordan is New Orleans' best defensive player, and it's not even close. He's on the Remmer side, so main man Mike got to do his thing or get a little help from David Morgan. Mash on Cameron Jordan to get the money. Then Sam can find Diggs and Thielen and Rudy and those nice-ass backs out of the backfield, flats left and right. I'm putting main man Sam on a big game. A topic exchange. I love it. Now the Saints were held to less than 20 points only three times last season. Giants, Lions, and Tampa. They scored 31-plus in nine of their games, which means when we get in the red area, we got to do stuff like this. Raiders are going jumbo here. Vidal Alexander is in. He lines up to the left of Penn. Rivera outside of him. They put Derek in the gun. Alawale gets low as a lead blocker offset right. They give it to Murray. Murray going to hurdle into the end zone. Touchdown! Raiders! Oakland Raiders on Compass Media Network's PA. The Saints were 28th in the NFL. They allowed 19 rushing touchdowns. Eight. They also allowed touchdowns to opponents on nearly 60% of their red zone drives. But this is going to be a game where settling for field goals will lose us. Same. The game, and I expect at least two occasions where the Vikings are deep in the red area and they need to close on it. And I am looking for La La Latavius Latavius to get the cash inside the five and score points for our favorite football team. A topic exchange. And the off-field a topic talker for you, specifically those of you going to the game, arrive early. Uh, there are some on-field, in-stadium pregame festivities. Thank you, Ron Johnson. You're very kind. Thank you for the coffee. Double espresso with a French roast charge from Maine Man Ron from Vikings Game Day Live. Looking quite strapping today, too. For those of you going to the game, you have Vikings Game Day Live, which is which is on the concourse in the east end zone. So check that out beginning at 4 o'clock. Main Man Ron, OBRT, Ben Lieber, Pete Bursich, Wabi and I on the field. From a festivities slash presentation standpoint, there is a 9-11 tribute that will be very touching and also Randy Moss-related uh, festivities, given he is joining the Vikings Ring of Honor. So make sure you are in your seats well in advance of the 610 kickoff. In fact, like 530 would be good just to be safe. That's Monday night with the kickoff shortly after 6 on your home for Vikings football, FM 100.3 The Fan. Ron Johnson and Tyrone Carter, a couple of Gophers greats in studio to chat football with yours truly. They will do that each and every Thursday at 9.15 for a couple of segments. We'll mix in the Gophers, too. And uh, when we return, All Day in America Radio commences for the 2017 season from the Bryan Heating and Cooling Studios at FM 100.3 The Fan. Good morning. A Topic Exchange. To PA. Lifelong listener to your show, and I'm also a Vikings fan and an alcoholic. I'd like to shed some light on this. On the Fan. I mean, On the Fan, brought to you in part by Prism Research. Yes! All day in America radio, George Clinton, Parliament, Funkadelic, and Flashlight. I went down to 
Man, we got some Gopher greats in studio right now. Got a Jim Thorpe Award winner straight across from me. Two-time Super Bowl champion with the Pittsburgh Steelers. T.C. Came into the National Football League with our favorite team, the Minnesota Vikings. T.C. Gonna get a witness from the congregation. And a raucous Love Covenant round of applause for Tyrone Carter, ladies and yeah. gentlemen. Back in studio. Here back we on go. The block here to rock nine to noon. What is up, main man T.C.? What's happening, P.A.? Thanks for inviting me, man. Gopher greats. To my left. Arguably the greatest receiver in the history of Golden Gophers football. With all due respect to Eric Decker. He's the only man in the history of the program who requested and was permitted to wear his last name on the back and front of his jersey. Ron Johnson. Can I get a witness from the congregation and a raucous round of applause for Ron Johnson, ladies and gentlemen, joining us in studio now. It is post time for All Day in America. All Day in America Radio with TC and RJ, and we wish you a good morning. Uh, Chiefs and Patriots tonight, Tyrone Carter. If um, uh, You're a two-time Super Bowl champion, so if you could pull those rings out of your ears so you can hear me talk, I would greatly appreciate that. If you're going to catch the New England Patriots off guard and go to Foxborough and drop an L on said squad, don't you think tonight would be the night for Andy Reid and the Kansas City Chiefs? No. Really? Not at all. You know, uh, New England, Bill Belichick is a great coach. He Mm -hmm. keeps his team well-rounded. They're ready to seize their opportunities. Uh, Every game counts for them. I don't think they don't take a game off no matter what. It's the first game or the last game. Uh, They're looking forward to a new year. What they did last year is last year. That's his mindset. Uh That's a new year for him again and try to continue to, you know, build that legacy that he's doing over there. You're an elite NFL mind. So I would think that you would have an appreciation more so than maybe anybody in the room for Bill Belichick being better than anybody in the NFL at getting a patch of games, two, three, or four, analyzing them with the TCs in the room and finding weaknesses and taking advantage of them. But when it's the first game, there there isn't really a lot of 2017 film that he can watch and exploit those weaknesses. So I'm not saying, I'm not going to grandstand and say KC's going to roll into Foxborough and win the game. But I think it might be a close game tonight, though. Well, every game, you ain't going to never underestimate your opponent. And I don't think New England Patriots doing the same thing. Kansas City, they, hey, New England been the big fish for a while. Everybody trying to knock them down. They got to be prepared. Uh, New England understand that, too. Uh, they're going to be prepared. So you want to you want to get your best shot from both teams. Don't underestimate neither one yep. and go out there and play your game. Let your A game play. That's the main thing. If they number one, you got to show them that number one each and every week. Okay. So that's the mindset Kansas City got to have going into Foxborough as well. At the same time, you know, New England is New England. They're well coached. They're well disciplined. Uh, they're not going to make many mistakes. Mm-hmm. You can't make mistakes going there as well. And just play your A game and see what happens. TC. Now, I'm not going to step on the touchdown call that will be unveiled next week with the Vikings' first road game. You being a former Steeler, <laughs> do you give your former team a legitimate chance to go to the Super Bowl this year? Or is it like New England, unbelievably heavily favored with Brady and Belichick and Super Bowl win last year? Or your former squad, the Steelers, you think they can get to the Super Bowl this year in Minneapolis, which would be unbelievable for you? Well, I'll tell you one thing. That would be awesome. That would be awesome for me to see Pittsburgh and Minnesota be in the Super Bowl. Um, that will be a dream come true for me. It would be the TC but, Bowl. <laughs> it's a long season, man. It's 16 games ahead, and, you know, you got to take one game at a time. And I think every coach around the league is thinking about that first game 
each game, take one game at a time and go from there. Uh, I will show like to see that happen, but that's talk. You got to put the action on the field and let they play, do the talking for them. Uh, it's going to be a first game for everybody. Uh, preseason is a little different than what you know. Most I know I'm co- accustomed to. Uh, they don't have too many uh, tacklings. You don't do too too many tour days. Right. But now the bullets is thrown at you. You know, live bullets for me, and it's the uh, first game of the season. So. It's going to be exciting to see them play. I'm looking forward to that game. I'm looking forward to see how Pittsburgh has, you know, developed a, a nuclear of young kid, young young men, and they built together for three years. And now, on defensive wise, they're starting to see defensively what the mindset is, what got us Super Bowls. And I like the what I see what out there in Pittsburgh. So. All day, all day in America. Ron, good morning. <clears throat> morning. How do the Vikings beat the New Orleans Saints? You got to get Drew Brees off of his um, spot. You can't let him sit back in the pocket. What if they come in there and go with three tight ends and try to run a lot and get, like, super sneaky? Uh, Then somebody fell on their head last night because it's not going to (laughs) happen. He's going to come in. I mean, (laughs) granted, he lost Brandon Cook, who was, you know, his number one receiver. Um, Will Sneed probably won't play. He's not sure. He's suspended. He's suspended. Okay, so he's he's definitely out then. He's dead. So... Well, he's not going to do the Ezekiel Elliott yeah, trying no, to go to court. No. So, nope. Will, Will Sneeds out. So now you're looking at over 200 targets Jeez. that, you know, you have to replace. Yeah. And Ted Ginn's a good guy, but I don't know if he can make up for those 200 targets, especially in the red zone. We know what Drew Brees can do. He's going to march you up and down the field. I mean, everybody remembers what he did to TC um, when Purdue played. So, I mean, 500 What the hell yards. does that mean? <laughs> We've seen Drew Brees work. It's so. week number one of All Day in America Radio. We, Can we, we seen, avoid arguments the first we're not week? Arguing. I'm just saying we've seen Drew Brees work. This is a Jim Thorpe Award winner. It is. With respect, damn it. It is. I do. I respect him like hell. I'm like, dang, stop Drew Brees. He can't, he can't respect me saying to see what <laughs> Drew Brees did to TC. What well, he don't understand, see, run always be individual. Right. He did to the whole team, not just TC. <laughs> you understand that? TC. He don't understand there's no I in team. So okay. let run have There's the a me in there. Yeah, so. but but TC, I mean, uh-huh. you played with him yeah. at the U. Oh, yeah. You oh, yeah. know he asked for it and was the only player in the history of the university to be permitted to have his last name on the front and back of his jersey. I <laughs> always loved that one. <laughs> and they also allowed him to play with a cape. I mean, he, he petitioned. That's probably before I left. You he know, petitioned after, after the Big left, Ten. He probably did after I left. When and, I was there, he was none of that, man. We, we, we really put... Trust me, he's doing what he's doing right now because you know what TC did to him every day in practice. I, you know, I either, it wouldn't know. It wouldn't know. <laughs> when Drew Brees was with Purdue and did whatever he did to the Gophers' defense, I either didn't live here or was not following it closely. Uh-huh. I mean, was it like a five hundred some odd? I mean, was it was, Man, it, it, was, was it like unbelievable? It was a shootout though. What? I mean, it was like forty eight to forty six. Did you play in the game? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. How many TDs? Uh, one or two. Lit. But it was, I mean, every year, though, I mean, honestly, every year, Kyle Orton, no matter who they had, it was a shootout. Purdue, Minnesota, for years, has always been a shootout game. Um, just the pace of it, the the stuff that happened. I mean, we played them after 9-11 that one year, and yeah. Tony Henderson had to step out. But I don't want to get off subject because I know we're going to get crazy. <laughs> Let's get back to Drew Brees in Minnesota. <laughs> right. Or you get me off topic. You started it. Yeah. I didn't. I just was trying to make what a point. PA knows what he does, though. PA does that on what he did. PA does that on purpose. I, I do. Was, I was only all American every time. You were. Thank you. So, what, Thank what, you. Did, what did he do to me? I we all all American if he did something to me. God, Tyrone, you and I. Te- <laughs> we all Americans, <laughs> you, honey. You and I texted about this for the last three days. Uh-huh. I need you when we do this segment so you can properly hear what's being said. 
Will you please pull those Super Bowl rings out of your ears so you can listen to us when we're talking to you, okay? I always <laughs> love that one. My God, and why do you have to wear them in the studio? I was just chilling, man. I was just chilling. So here we go. So, so Drew Brees, you know, we know what he can do. But when you get into the red zone, yeah. it's kind of where it gets tricky. Yeah. And we know his, his target is going to be Michael Thomas. Maybe. I mean, he targeted him 26 times last year in the red zone. In the zone. red zone? In the red zone. 26 Damn. times. He called 18 of them. Is that a red zone radio fact? Oh, uh, yeah. It's a red zone radio fact. Ron Red Zone Report, you know, Sunday, <laughs> 10 a.m. Check it out. Ron's Red Zone Report on Fox 9. Best ever. Um, But, yeah, I mean, 26 targets to Will Thomas. Nothing against Ted Ginn, but, I mean, he was with, uh, what's his name, Cam Newton, and he only got targeted seven times. You're on Fox 9 and, more than Randy Meyer and Ian Leonard. <laughs> Combined. But I need Ian's pants, though. Yeah. Ian and I had that and conversation at State Fair. I, oh, for sure. <laughs> we got we to gotta step that up. All day in um, America Radio, Ron Johnson, Tyrone Carter in studio. <laughs> Good morning. Um, opinions on the Vikings offensive line in the business. We call it the Minnesota Moving Company, left to right. Riley Reef, Nick Easton, who was our center, is now our left guard. Ohio State rookie Pat Elfline, he's the man in the middle. Next to him, veteran from Michigan Tech, Joe Berger, and the right tackle, former Carolina Panther and Minnesota Viking Mike Remmers. What do you guys think? I love it. Um, The offensive line should be seen, not heard. I think it was a little bit too much conversation off the field. Um, We love the dragon. You know, we love the the conversation. But when you draw attention to yourself and then you don't back it up, it's kind of tough to go to bat for somebody like that every single time. And so I think it's a good move. With the group, when you have the number one uh, center in the country coming out of college, you have a chance to draft him and you do it. You don't draft him to sit on the bench. And so we know what he can do. And now you put two guards who both played center at guard. So not only can they help a rookie out and say, hey, this is coming. When this guy tilts in the three technique, we're going to do this. They can have a lot of conversations with those guards where a lot of times I don't know if Boone was having those conversations with them um, because he felt invincible. I can do it all. I can do this. I can do that. Um, honestly, I thought Boone might have been better fit at his height for a tackle. Um, you know, I don't know how well he would have done at it, but I would have liked to see that move or at least try it in the preseason. Um, but, yeah, I mean, when you have two centers playing guard, those three guys all understand the calls. They understand who the Mike Backer is. They understand when the safety walks in the box what's going to happen. So it's going to be a lot of conversation. And I saw Daryl Hazel yesterday. And he even talked about that. about Wide receivers coach. Wide receivers coach for the Vikings. I saw him yesterday in the facility um, after coaches had meetings. And um, they they talked about that. The guys moving, making sure that the offensive line understands all the calls. Yeah. Um, you, you know, knowing that the Saints are going to do some, some vanilla type things because this is week one. You don't know what you're going to get because this is not the Agent Peterson Minnesota Vikings anymore. Right. Um, but also understand Agent Peterson is probably telling them some things too. Like, hey. This is what's going to happen when they do this. this yeah. This is what they like to do when they like do this. Like Linval's hungry. Oh, yeah. So it, it's, it's going to be a, a back-and-forth matchup, but I like the offensive line. This Vikings offensive line, TC, what do you think? I'll tell you one thing, man. I, I like that they went out and get some offensive line help, but at the end of the day, they got to build that nucleus, that chemistry together, work together each and every day in practice, uh, feed off each other. Don't worry about what people say on the outside. Just come, to get, come together and play. And let week one be the, the testament for them and continue to – feed off that each and every week go for greats tc and ron johnson couple of elite football minds in studio nine to noon each and every thursday beginning at nine fifteen. all day in america interesting week for tyrone carter we'll explain next you're listening to pa they absolutely suck Jeez. and i don't care how good they are or what they think they are or who they thought they were or whatever they suck on the fan
for greats. T.C. Ron Johnson. All day in America. You are bad, bad, T.C., thinking about you a little bit the last couple of days. I mean, outside of Gophers, Oregon State, Steelers and Browns this weekend, Vikings Monday night against the Saints. Um, Pompano Beach, Florida, that's where you're from, right? Yes, sir. Her, is, is Hurricane Irma in any way a significant threat to your family or, or family and or friends in Pompano Beach? Well, the, looking at it, that's what they say. But I'm going to tell you from what my grandma always told me about Pompano Beach. It's a blessed city. We get the after win. We never get the eye. And I'm going to continue to go on that. Yeah. Uh, from me being down there, staying there, I never got it. Never got the eye. We get the wins. We never get. So you, you were know. there like when a hurricane went through before? Yeah. Well, yeah. Damn. Yeah. What, Hurricane Andrew? Yeah. Yeah. That hit Miami, you see. Right. You know, Pompano, if you look at the map, if you actually yep. about around the country, you live in Pompano Beach, Florida. They're going to say, where's that? Yeah, where exactly is it? Right. It's close to Fort Lauderdale, neighbors to Fort Lauderdale and right. Boca. So close to uh, the West beach. Palm. Yeah. Damn, that's nice. Mm-hmm. Um, Hurricane Andrew, um, I actually was in Miami for the uh, Breeders' Cup, uh, which was at Gulfstream in Hallandale shortly after Andrew, I'd say within four months. Mm-hmm. You're familiar with a city called Opalaca? Yeah. Well, Opalaca has a racetrack that's like racetrack immortality. It's called Hialeah. It's one of the old-school, gangster, cool racetracks in our game. And it's a beautiful racetrack with flamingos in the infield. I mean, it's a place where, like, the most famous horses ever, Seabiscuit, Seattle Sleuth, Spectacular Bid, Affirmed, the, the best horses ever would run at Hialeah. And a friend of ours got us in there, even though it was closed, to take a look at the carnage and just how dis- destroyed it was oh, after yeah. Hurricane. It was unbelievable how Opalaka got torn up oh, yeah. and that and that part of South Florida with that hurricane. So you talk about Pompano Beach being blessed and everything like your grandmother said. I mean, if the authorities say grandma and friends have to evacuate, they got to they evacuate, got right? Yeah, but my grandma never did. What? Really? <laughs> but, she never evacuated, man. Right? Never. And we lived in a wooden house, too. Really? Yeah, what she was raised in. I mean, so she's living on a prayer that the eye does not cross over her wooden house and just has to deal with winds on the periphery, uh, periphery right? Right, a little bit. I just think, uh, you know, where we located at in Florida, uh, by the time it hit land, it tended to go up the East Coast yeah. instead of coming straight through West. So, yep. um, But my family's still preparing for the, the storm. They, they, they're mm-hmm. boarding up their places. Some are getting out of there. Some went to Georgia already. Yep. So, uh, man, I'm just keeping my prayers up and hope everything goes right. You know, um, among many things that sucks when stuff like this happens, it mm-hmm. happened like 12, 13 years ago with Katrina. It just happened in Houston with Harvey. Now we got Irma coming through South Florida. Knuckleheads that go to looting. You know, I oh, mean, yeah. not just stores, but like, you know, they'll, they'll case people leaving their houses and packing up their their station wagons and, and, like, pulling things and stuff. And they're like, okay, they're gone for at least two days. Then they go into the house and they rob the house. Right. That's crazy, man. That's, yeah. you know, that's that's the thing that's, if you look around the world today, it's crazy. And I just want to change that. And that's why I focus so much on the uh, inner cities, uh, in the communities, uh, showing these young men respect, uh, love for each other and others as well, and continue to try to make that community and situations better uh you can't 
avoid some of these knuckleheads, like you said. Yep. It goes on. It go. It goes on everywhere. But at this particular time, you really don't think about it. You just try to think about your safety and getting your family in safe grounds and make sure everything's it come out all right on this end. Hey. Gophers. Saturday night, Gophers at Oregon State. Gophers are one to know, having beaten the Buffalo uh, Bulls. Gopher season. Ron, let's start with you. Uh, do you see big things? Both of you, really. I mean, it's a dialogue. You chat whenever you want. Do you guys see big things this season, or do you believe that fans need to be patient with uh, the way things are being developed? Uh, well, you know, last night on Fox 9 on the P.J. Flex show, 6.30 p.m. live, um, PJ made a lot of great comments about that because there was we we take questions from the crowd at the end the last segment and uh, somebody asked about that one of being the inside zone they ran and uh, PJ knew right away he's like man I I know we ran it 31 times the quarterback kept it or didn't keep it at all the running back took it all 31 times yeah his thought behind that is he has a plan and a method to the madness whether it's boring whether it's up tempo um, you know whether it's Demetrius Douglas running down the middle of the field just to clear out with um, Tyler Johnson running the dagger underneath. And with all that said, you know, he says the team can be, and Coach Macy used to say this, it's it's a blink of an eye. TC remembers that. We can be 3-8, and eight, we can be 8-3, and three, but it's a blink of an eye. And and that's how P.J. is taking this. You know, as long as they don't blink, as long as they don't make the stake, as long as they're, they're, best, they're doing their best and improving their best every day, yeah. they have a chance to be good. But to be great, they're going to need more pieces to this puzzle based off what he wants to do. Yeah. And, and and we know he's a three receivers coach. He's a guy that wants to air the ball out. Um, he wants to, you know, if you look at Western Michigan, they put up, you know, 50 plus points numerous times. He wants to have that kind of game where it's go, go, go. But you can't do that if you don't have the pieces in place. But I think they can be good. I think, you know, a lot of the marginal games that might have been energy or might have been just uh, mental errors, that, that's one of the things that, um, or missed assignments, all that kind of stuff. You know, that's the things that he harps on. And, he, you know, he, he makes the comment over and over. We heard it. You know, I'm a sixth grade teacher. He says that because that's the approach he takes to every player. He takes the time for each player to understand. I understand how you need to learn. So when once I know how you need to learn, I'm going to make sure your coach knows how you need to learn. And then we're going to build upon that. We're not going to treat this as all 85 guys have to learn one way. Each guy has its own way of his own way. So when you take that approach, it's not going to happen in year one. Yeah. But in year two and three, then he's used to these guys. These guys are used to him. He understands the alumni. He understands the the the, the route to the stadium. He understands the hotel. Um, you know, this is going to be his first flight with the team. You know, all that kind of stuff. There's and and of course the first flight's not going to be easy because you're going into Oregon, Corvallis, with smoke out there, and you have wildfires, and you have 105 degree temperature, and you're drinking special. Uh, special sauce to make sure you don't get dehydrated and cramp up. So Damn. it's not a normal travel situation. I mean, they're they're reprogramming their iPhones so they stay on Central Time. Right. You know, all that kind of stuff is not a normal jump on a plane, fly to uh, Indiana or Purdue and play a game and come back home. Yeah. So it's a lot being thrown at him, but he, at the same time, he's prepared for it. He's been preparing for this moment. And, uh, you know, I think they can be a, a really elite team, but it's just going to take time. TC, your thoughts on your alma mater? Well, I want the best for my alma mater to be uh, straight up with you, P- P- PA. Uh, but I haven't even watched the game. I haven't. I'm not going to the game. I'm, I probably I watched the highlights uh, last last week, which was fourth quarter, four minutes in the game left. It was 14 to seven. Yeah. Uh, I had a cousin that played for Buffalo. Um, I wanted to check him out there, see what he was doing. But I'm not going to watch or go to a game 
until I get an apology from PJ. For what? Anytime you, for me, I'm a family man, and I would never believe in a man that disrespect my child or his father in front of him, and that will happen to me. So I won't go to a game. I won't watch it on TV. I'm always going to support my brothers because they got my cell phone number. I talk to them personally. So that's going to always be my brother. But to have respect for a guy, to do something like that, I won't even, I won't even dare go around. I haven't. I went to the spring game once. That was it. Mm-hmm. I didn't go to no training camp. I didn't go to nothing, just because what he did. So till that happens, I have no idea what you're talking about. I'm, I just told you. You heard me. So well, yeah, yeah, I heard you. But I mean, it's. I mean, we're talking about we're talking about the games, and I mean, I guess I brought it up more so about the the direction and or patience required with the program. So I guess, you know, obviously PJ being the head coach for this team obviously plays into it. Exactly. So you're telling me that you will not be not only not attending, but not watching Gophers football games. Right. Well I mean because and and I mean all day in America radio, mm-hmm. you know, part part of it is analyzing what the Gophers do positively or negatively. Right. So I guess when it comes to establishing what I put down for these segments, um, then I, I will take those. Run, I, I will take run, all those minutes. Run, run the tickets. You see me just. I ain't, okay. I ain't buzzed in. I will take all you those. Know, yeah, but see now you got. I mean now you got me curious because I know you're a very prideful person. I'm, hey man, I'm, I've known you. Me, for I'm gonna many, stand on what I believe, Tyrone. Man. I've known you for many years, and I'm not gonna question right. your integrity, mm-hmm. your validity, mm-hmm. or anything. Obviously, something has happened. Right. That has scarred you. Right. But I mean, is is there any way, any way for it to become better? I just told you, if he apologized to him, he didn't even have the destiny to call me. Okay, you know, uh, it's two incidents that happened. Okay, and it's still nobody say anything to me, but they could call me by anything. They could call me before that happened to get me to get there, but they can't call me after it happens. Okay. So I can't I, I can't respect a guy. Okay, uh, have the destiny to sit there and talk about him. He I I can't. I'm, I want the best for my. My t- my school Got and my it. brothers and stuff like that. Got I want it. them to be be, be 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 better than they was last year okay. and be competing in the Big Ten. I could do that. Okay. I want each and every one of those young kids to maximize their full potentials. Right. Get their degree and do what they need to do. So. Now I know. Now I know. Uh, Ron, which quarterback is best for this team and why? <laughs> Connor Rhoda or Demery Croft? Well, I mean, honestly, right now they're both good. Um, Coach Mason said if you don't have one or if you have two quarterbacks, you don't have one. But Mason also said he did that with Travis Cole and Saul Abdul Khalik. Um, the one thing I think, and, and Tyler Johnson can speak to this, it's tough when you have two quarterbacks uh, because it does affect the receivers. Each quarterback has a different method, and we were kind of the same way. Travis Cole um, was the was the passer. Saul Abdul Khalik was better with his legs. It's kind of the same thing here. Connor Rhoda is a is a passer. Now watching the game, Demery has a nice arm. It's effortless. He makes the throws. Um, he can run. He's really fast. Long term, I think Demery might be better because of his legs, his ability yeah. to make plays with his legs, and that's how Assad became. Assad became the guy. Okay. Um, I, I think he has that, and it's, he has a touch on the ball that you can't teach. Um, I know Flex said he wants to go with one quarterback. His yeah. goal is to go with one quarterback, have one quarterback doing all the reps. Because when you have two, you can't increase practice in order for the quarterbacks to get more reps. Uh-huh. You're just shortchanging the quarterback. So yes, instead Ron. of 40, you're getting 20. 
you know, and he wants them to have 40. And so he said he wants one quarterback. He said, but the race is still even. They're going to go to Corvallis. Okay. They're going to play. They're going to come back. They're going to play. You know, and, and who knows? We might go into Michigan State October, and they still have two quarterbacks. But at some point, he said, somebody's going to have to outplay the other. Mm-hmm. Um, they're friends. They sit together on the bench. Mm-hmm. They talk. Um, but somebody's going to have to. And it's going to become gelling, too. And, and, I, and we joked about, you know, the quarterback becomes your best friend during the week. And that's true. So now it's like as a receiver, you have to take Connor and Demery to lunch, maybe at separate times. And so now you're eating two lunches or you're yep. just bringing them both, which is kind of awkward. It's like bringing two girlfriends. Who has to do that? The receivers. Oh, you got to right. eat lunch with your quarterback. You yeah, got to make gotta, sure that's not a violation. Oh, and it's not. You're, you're players. You can do whatever you want. Okay. It's just you can't take yeah. them to lunch, PA. Well, I've had, player, um, I've had players and whatever come in here throughout the years, yep. including like UNTC. Yeah. Where I'm like, hey. We got this cool nine to noon shirt that I'd like to give you. Can't take it. You can leave it on the floor for somebody to pick up and find <laughs> it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's why I'm going to Continental Diamond later. They made they made that's my wife's great. new wedding rings, and that's so great. I got my new ring downstairs. And uh, that feels you know, like it'll stick me five grand. Oh just my have God. to have to drop. Uh, okay, you know, it might be some diamonds left over at TCF Bank. Last that one. they just have to find on the ground. Last one, um, Ron. This wide receiver Tyler Johnson is mm-hmm. good, isn't he? He's really good, and. Um, to be as young as he is, I mean, like I said, my sophomore year, he's head and shoulders above where I was. Really? And I don't know if it's and, – and honestly, nothing against Vic Adamley. Vic Adamley was my coach as a freshman. Yeah. And Vic Adamley is a running back's coach. So that's that was the problem is is Mason ended up finding Joker Phillips, which Joker Phillips made me really good. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, but if you look at who Tyler had, Tyler had – um, forgot his name, but he had Coach Kill's group. And so they yeah. trained him, got him ready to go. And now you get a guy like uh, Matt Simon yeah. who played in the NFL. You got P.J. Fleck who played receiver in the NFL and coached receivers at Tampa Bay. Yeah, um, He has the ability to do it. But, I mean, athletic ability, the kid can dunk, he can jump. Yeah. He's a, you know, at North he killed it. Right. Uh, former quarterback, so he understands concept. He understands all the route combinations. I didn't learn that stuff until, like, my junior senior year. Okay. So he had it coming in, and so he's really good. Okay, uh, hide the women and children. <sighs> TC? <laughs> no, I'll tell you one thing. That, Mike's open. That I thought kid, you were about to say Ben Lee had his shirt off or something. No, man. Tyler Johnson? No, that'd be the women would be running. Tyler? Yeah, Tyler Johnson, yeah. He's a Minneapolis North. Yeah. Battle-tested young man. Yeah. Ready to seize his opportunity. Yeah. His parents been grooming him for the longest. He done seen so much happening down there. Yeah. Now he got an opportunity to, to yeah. seize it and yeah. show his talent. So this kid's going to be – I told him before, he was – he played quarterback. Yeah. Every time I seen him throw the ball, run the ball <laughs> – he was awesome. So yeah. now he's got his hands on the ball where they get to throw it to him. He can he can go up for the ball. He wants the ball. He's fast. I think he'll be a great receiver runner. I think he'll pass all your records. Jeez. He might. It's going to take a long it's time. It's going to keep me relevant, though, because as he gets close, they're going to keep talking about it. Like, oh, he's coming. Last night, Flex said it, though. He said, I just need to, I just need to recruit more Johnsons. And so, hey, that's the, well, I, got a, I got a six I got a six four cousin in Detroit. He's uh, coming up here. He went to Notre Dame on a visit, though, but he's – He's going to come up here at some point, probably, and visit. So. You know what you just did? what I do? Recruit more Johnsons. This show is naughty. <laughs> it might make you a potty mouth. <laughs> well, guys. Um, yep. hey, you can never have enough. Hey, it's uh, yeah, great to see you uh, for the old 2017 season of uh, All Day in America Radio. All Day in America. Ron? Um, that Red Zone Radio. We need to change that. Up. Monday, I, um, I will see you. I at, will see you at the stadium. U.S. Bank Stadium. You'll yep. be on Fox 9 at 4 o'clock. I'll You'll be on, be on the there, field. too. Uh, yes, offensive coordinator Pat Shermer, 408. Uh, Shermer. Fox 9 and 
Tyrone, God bless you. God bless your family this weekend. Yes, sir. And I um, hope to see you next week. Thank you. All Day in America Radio, Ben Lieber in studio next. You're listening to PA. If you surround yourself with turds, you're headed towards turdville. If you surround yourself with elite people, you are headed towards elite things. On the fan. Yeah. This album is dedicated to all the teachers that told me I never amount to nothing. To all the people that lived above the buildings that I was hustling from that called the police on me when I was just trying to make some money to feed my daughter. Yeah, yeah. And to all my peoples in the struggle, you know what I'm saying? It's all good, baby, baby. Check it, check it. It was all a dream. I used to read Word Up magazine. Something pepper and heavy D up in the limousine. Hanging pictures on my wall. Every Saturday, rap attack Mr. Magic. Check this out. You can join former Viking Chad Greenway for his 7th annual Celebrity Waiter Night. It's Monday, September 18th, a week from Monday, and it's at Manny's. Proceeds benefit Chad Greenway's Lead the Way Foundation to provide support for seriously ill and physically challenged children throughout the Twin Cities. For details, visit KFAN.com. The keyword is community. I'm blowing up like you thought I would. Call a crib, same number, same hood. It's all good. And if you don't know, now you know. Lieber. Football beast. Hashtag Faith Radio. What's up, Ben? What's happening, man? I was surprised you didn't get Jordan Howard this morning. NFC North guy. I know. You know, I mean, I was I, off my game this morning. I didn't think you were. I mean, you you, you cut loose with two immediately, and I'm yeah. like, there he goes. And you were two and zero in the what's it, the Snickers Challenge? Yeah. Who yeah. are the two you got? Uh, Ezekiel Elliott. I got Ezekiel Elliott, and I got um, David Johnson. No, 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 no. Uh, it was he was down on the list too. Um, why am I blanking on his name now? Trip. I, I don't know. That's what I'm saying. I'm, 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 I'm off. I, I missed a lot of the obvious ones. It was twelve. It was twelve people at a thousand rushing yards or more. Yeah, I heard about it. Right. I just heard that uh, he only got two. And I went. Yeah, but you know what? I went three just listening to the bit. Bam, bam, bam. Then I froze. I mean, not on the radio. I was like Jordan Howard, Ezekiel Elliott, uh, David Johnson. And then after that, it's Le'Veon like, Bell. Yeah, see, Le'Veon. Yeah, see, that's the, yeah, Devontae Freeman. Yeah. I got Devontae Freeman. Right. LaShawn McCoy. Yep. yep. Jay Ajay. Jay yep. Ajay. For Miami was a sneaky one in that mm-hmm. thing. He had like that 400 yards in a two-game stretch or something. Well, like. the, re- the And reason- I went with Melvin Ingram, or Melvin Gordon, yeah. and he was like at nine, yeah. nine, 990-something. Yeah. It was a narrow L. But nevertheless, yeah, an L. Uh, ben Lieber in studio, former game-changing linebacker, Minnesota Vikings, weekly 9 to noon, 9.55, via Twitter at Nacho Lieber. I begin with a running game bent uh, because when you were uh, discussing Viking Saints with um, the wildly successful, highly touted power trip this morning, yep. you went down a road that I mentally or verbally have not traveled this week. And even though it's the road less taken... I think it's very compelling and very intriguing because when you think Saints offense versus Vikings defense, I'm all wrapped up over middle pressure. Okay. So mm-hmm. you got Everson, you got Daniil and B Rob and either Weatherly or Bauer, or whatever. 
and let's run around Ramcheck and or whomever and try to hit Breeze. Breeze does not take many hits. Middle pressure could be very key in this game. Mm-hmm. In fact, it was part of the atopic exchange. But it's early in the season. They're down their slot guy, Willie Sneed, mm-hmm. which you pointed out, with their new guy, Austin Carr, and just who they have on the team. They have minimal slot receiver experience. It's the first game. They now have Adrian with Ingram, with Kamara. The top two are extremely good running between the tackles. Kamara might be good. We'll see. Mm-hmm. So do you think off what you said this morning, they're legitimately, whether it's Kobe Fleener, their other tight end Hill, the former Patriot, uh, last name, nickname, who man, that they go like three tight ends in this thing and try to run it when you scheme up all week for the pass? Yes. Wow. Um, that's my concern. My concern is that I love this the 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 A topic is going to be Drew Brees, Adrian Peterson only because it's it's Adrian Peterson come back to to Minnesota, but it's Drew Brees and what he does in this yep. high this high flying offense versus Mike Zimmer's defense. Yep. Um, when I was looking at the game, I I got the sense that well. Sean Payton's elite, right? Yeah. He's elite it come, when it comes up with, with scheme and, yep. and game plan, all that stuff. Well, what hurts this Vikings defense? Well, it's been the run game. Right. Can the, can the Saints run the ball? They can. I mean, they're not. They don't strike a lot of fear into people. But my concern is going all the way back to 2015, the opening game against the 49ers, and what the 49ers do. Right. They went 13 personnel. They went big on their tight ends. And as a Carlos Hyde, was going crazy. Yeah. So I feel like that's... I mean, not to clip, but those tight ends they had with McDonald and like something called Billy Badgema and some other guys, those were straightforward, mash-ahead, run-first tight ends. Um, who, who man's the same way. So Badgema and who man were with me with the, with the Rams. Yeah. Um, yeah. Who man is that way, though? And who, and who man, that's his gig. That's, yeah. that's how he makes his paycheck. He is a run-blocking tight end. Yeah. And, and Fleener's not a run-blocking tight end, but the point is... I believe that they have at least the personnel to go 12 personnel, uh, maybe 13 personnel, but they maybe can't mash as much as the 49ers could at that point in time. But can they try? Absolutely they can try. Yeah. And they have two running backs that love running between the tackles. And if there's if there's a deficiency in this Vikings defense, it's stopping the run. So, yeah. why, so why wouldn't you as an offensive coordinator say, all right, I'm going to test him. Yeah. I, I know that. I know that they're really good at getting after the passer, so I'm gonna I'm gonna have my little schemes and right. I have stuff and blocking all that stuff to figure that out. Double A get pressure, I get all that. He's seen that a thousand times. Which, by the way, their defense now does the same thing, so they've been practicing against double A get pressure uh, all the way through practice. Damn. So uh, that's not concerning me. I'm I want to see how they get tested in the run game. Yeah. And I feel like I've got two really good backs and I've got a couple tight ends that can block. Yep. And and I'm gonna mash on these guys. And I have a quarterback who has seen everything 15 times. Yep. So if you stack it up with your base, which, by the way, includes a rookie from Michigan named Ben Gedeon. Mm-hmm. So if I see you make even an inch mistake, I'm going to throw at him with one of these tight ends on the field. So I understand that. The other side of it is if you roll into a game with Drew Brees and you're like, okay, they're going to run as much, uh, if not more, than they pass, one part of me, one part of me is like, okay, go ahead and give it a try. If you're going to take the gun out of the hand of Drew Brees, yeah. that could be considered a victory for the Vikings overall. It could be. Easier said than done. Uh, I, I don't think 
I think Drew is great. He's really efficient. He's very smart. I mean, he's, clearly he's beatable. You you can get into his head. He he does have a fiery personality. Yeah. Um. He's ultra competitive, and so when things aren't going his way, you can see the frustration. He'll he'll rip off that chin strap. I mean, he will show his frustration, and then you feel like, all right, we we're, we're getting to him a little bit. You know, we we can get at him, and you don't have to hit him all the time. You can just confuse him on some coverages. Yep. Um. So he's not immortal. I mean, he's he is he is beatable. But you just can't let him get into rhythm. And when he's really in rhythm yeah. is when they're play-action passing because he's athletic. Um, he has he has to be able, because he's smaller, he has to be able to, to get back, get set up. And if you can throw off that timing of getting his feet set, then you've got him. Um, it's going to be an interesting um, storyline as the game gets played out is how they approach the Vikings' run defense and how often are we going to see two running backs in the game. I, I have a feeling they're going to try to keep the Vikings in as much base personnel as possible right. and using Kamara as a split-out type of guy with the fact that Snead is no longer uh, on the team as far as he's, he's suspended. So you miss that slot element. You've got a guy in Kamara that you think that you can split out, maybe get Gideon or Anthony Barr out on the outside. When, when teams, Ben Lieber in studio, when teams have basically five months to game plan for one game, mm-hmm. which is this game, you know, and it's my belief, and you'd know better than us because you played for three teams, but it's my belief that a lot of the plays you are running at organized team activities, mini camp, training camp, not so much preseason yep. games, but all the behind-the-scenes stuff are the plays that you're going to use in your first game. So you can perfect them 30, 40, 80 times. When you have that long to prepare for one game, what what's that like? I mean, it's is everything just rote? Uh, to be honest with you, I don't think that I, I was ever a part of any season where we put that much of an emphasis on the first game. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the, the NFL not only just talks about a, a one-day, one-week mentality as far as keeping guys focused, you know, most teams actually practice that, and, and they preach and practice that, and, and it trickles all the way down to the player's mentality. I can't think of any offseason where we talked about the, the opening game. Yeah, you you know it exists, but as far as game planning goes, no, we never we never would talk about the Saints in in May and June. Uh, when we got into the preseason, it was more about hey, what are we doing today? Yeah. How, how can we get better today? Um, you know, there might be references to like, come on, you guys, you know, you, you got to do this better because you know Drew Brees is going to be you know on the field in, in three weeks. You know, there might be references like that, but you're not specifically saying like, all right, this is a New Orleans Saints offense. This is what they're doing. This yeah. is what we're going to do to combat that. It's more about what you do in a day-to-day. Ben, in knowing pride goes before the fall, when New Orleans signs Adrian Peterson, yep, you got a Hall of Fame running back. We all know that that he's up there in age, and he can't catch the ball. So when you're competitively arrogant like Sean Payton and or Drew Brees, and you keep hearing, can he catch, can he catch, can he catch, can he catch, do you think there's any way that Payton dis designs a bunch of things in this game for Adrian to catch the ball, to kind of be like, hey, you know what? Uh, he left this game with six catches for 75 yards, and he looked fluid doing it. Yeah. I mean, that's that's what a lot of coaches want to do. I mean, they want to take somebody else's quote-unquote trash, mm-hmm. and they're going to say, all right, you don't think he's any, he's any good anymore doing this? Well, I'm going to show you how good of a coach I am. Right. And I'm going to make him successful and bring him back from doing that. And if they want to throw it to Adrian, God bless you. Yeah, I mean, I, that's the thing. I I don't 
It's gonna be it's gonna be fun. I'm gonna be just as excited to see Adrian get his, his first few carries. You're on the sidelines. I, this is unbelievably cool. I would not be worried if I was a defender about truly honing in on Adrian Peterson. You know, he's yes, he can break some runs out, but as any running back in the league, they can they can break out with some runs. I'm not concerned that he's gonna take over the game. Mm-hmm. I guess is my point. Yeah. I'm I'm more concerned about. Uh, just their offensive philosophy and how they can use all their weapons and Drew Brees that I am yeah. worried about just one guy. Yeah. Ben Lieber in studio, former Vikings linebacker. Heard you touch on it a little bit with the uh, with the power trip. I'd like you to expound here. You like the new look of the Minnesota moving company. Mm-hmm. In fact, there there there's an offensive coach over there when I was chatting yesterday about this offensive line, excited about the, quote, birth, end quote, of this new offensive line. And it's not just these five. It includes Isadora and and like Avion Collins and and some guys that they're raising behind the scenes. So there probably needs to be patience here. But with Reef, Easton, Elfline, Berger, and Remmers, what do you like? I like that the coaches and the GM took the thirty thousand foot view and said. We need to find solidarity in our offensive line. Mm-hmm. We are thinking about all five guys and not just one guy. Right. How can we mix both talent, skill, and personality to get the best out of our players? And I think that's the it, it took it took a lot of guts and it took, you know, some swallowing some pride in the scouting department and with Rick Spielman to let their left guard go, to let Alex Boone go. I mean it's not an easy decision. As much as you, some people would think it's an easy decision, yeah. when it's your own personal decision, that's not an easy decision. So I, I I commend them on that. I think it was the right move. I like the fact that these guys, I think they're going to work better together. They're going to gel better together. It's going to be a better uh, solidified unit. Uh, we still have yet to be to see how it all plays out. But I think personality-wise, I, I don't think that there's going to be any detractors. There's not going to be any negative voices. Um, it's going to be... All in with all five guys. My only concern is we have depth at guard, center, guard. Yep. Where's our depth with tackle? Right. That's my that's my concern. I mean, main, main man Rashad Hill, he, though. He, yes, he's he's played because he has to in the preseason. Are you truly comfortable with him on the blind side? As a 16-game starter at this stage of his career, no. Right. But I'm comfortable having him there to raise him behind Reef and Remmers. True, and I I would agree. With that. I think that I think I like the, Jeremiah Searles a lot too. By the way, not necessarily as a sixteen game tackle, but as super sub guy behind the scenes. And I've liked him more as an interior guy after watching him flop back and forth between right guard and right tackle last year. I feel mm-hmm. like the guy gives tremendous effort. I just think he's a little bit limited as far as being a true offensive tackle, either left or right. Yep. And I like him as as a swing guy as as the guard spots. My concern is. Boy, if if Reef and Rimmers aren't healthy throughout the whole year, yep. I don't know if I'm completely comfortable with the tackle backups. Nacho in studio. Hardcore football. Back after this. You're listening to PA. Paul Allen is the greatest play-by-play man in the National Football League, and it's not even close. You're lucky to have him. Never let him go. Pay him whatever he wants and keep him forever. On the fan. What? Join the fan along with PA and Charge. For the first Friday football feast of the season, we're going to be broadcasting live just outside of Buffalo Wild Wings in Crystal. It's this Friday. It's tomorrow. you got to be there. B-dubs in Crystal, out on the patio. More details 
KFAN.com, keyword events. studio analyzes football for profit on tv on saturdays as part of the fox family and on the minnesota vikings radio network uh sundays mondays and thursdays happens to be a monday this week vikings football sunday the pregame show four o'clock be there for the boom shortly after six vikings and saints speaking of college football uh ben gets the opportunity to call a west virginia college football game this weekend for the fox family the um, I don't know the name of the West Virginia head coach, Dana Holgerson. Yeah, he took a um, he took a bad penalty for his team mm-hmm. in the game against Virginia Tech. I mean, Virginia Tech and West Virginia. God bless that college football quartet of unbelievably not only cool games, but most of them lived up to the hype. Yeah, and came right down to the wire. Yeah, all the way through Tennessee and Georgia Tech right at the end. So those games were terrific for sports sports loving snobs. This West Virginia-Virginia Tech game, spectacular. There was a key moment in that game where West Virginia was moving and had it like third and short, and then they get a penalty, and and then the coach takes it like he's too far out on the field or something. Yeah, so basically uh, what happened was it was on a special teams play that bled into the, the regular plays where their player got flagged for hitting the guy out of bounds. Yeah. And – it's one of those. It's one of those plays where it's it's really hard as a defender to pull off because the the return guy was kind of tiptoeing down the line. He had stepped out of, out of bounds, but just barely, and so the the whistle was blown, and he was he still thought he was in bounds, so he's trying to tiptoe out of bounds. Yeah, and you know, guy's running as hard as he can, and sees the guy still running basically full speed, tiptoeing out of bounds. Yeah, uh, and he hits him, and the ref's like, eh, personal foul. You know, that's you, you can't do that. It's unsportsmanlike. And Dana's basically the point was, you just a you just blew the whistle, and b the guy was still running as if he was in the field of play. So yeah. you know, basically give me a break. And so that he was having that conversation, and then a ref from down the way, not even the two refs in front, down the way, flagged him for being out on the field because the new rule in college football is no coaches can be on the field at all. Period. Period. Yeah. You know, it's subjective, game to game. No, main man was on the field. You yes. But they, he didn't get a warning. Normally, you know, it's like it's like the it's like getting back off the sidelines. Yeah. You know, when the when the players are in that white area and they're getting away of the refs, there's always like a warning or two of like, all right, strength coaches, get your guys back. Like you got to keep your guys back off the field. They gave him no warning. The guy just kind of like had it out for this new rule and said, "I'm going to enforce this new rule this year. You're right. on the field. We have zero tolerance for coaches on the field. I'm going to flag you." So yeah. Uh, it was a bad situation for that for that uh, team, but that's a good football team in West Virginia. The Minnesota Vikings last year had rushes of 10 yards or more 24 times, mm-hmm. which was lowest, least, worst in the NFL. Enter Dalvin Cook. Uh, what do you expect uh, from the running game Monday night, Dalvin, Latavius, and or Jarek? Uh, sadly, I don't expect much. Um, first game, um, You've got linemen that have never played together. Yep. You know, they're going to be rightfully probably out of sync. And, and I hope that I'm wrong, but I think realistically looking at it, um, I think at the when the game's all said and done, it's like, all right, well, wasn't ex- as explosive as we thought, uh, didn't have as many holes as we thought, 
uh, Dalvin was admittedly and, and maybe admittedly nervous for this game, and he's on a big stage, first ever NFL game yeah. on a Monday night. Um, there's going to be some jitters, and he's going to want to maybe do too much. Um, I feel like I can already hear those things being being thrown out after the game and on Tuesday morning. Right. Um, so I don't expect much. I, I really, truly think that this game for the Vikings is going to have to be one throwing the ball. Yeah. Which again is a question mark. Can they can they get the ball down the field? Yeah. And and New Orleans did a lot with its defense in the offseason. Its coordinator Dennis Allen, uh, like Shermer. I mean, he took over last year just like Shermer did. Yep. This is Allen's first full offseason and year with this defense like Shermer with this offense, and Allen, a former head coach with the Oakland Raiders, he, he's known, from what I understand, for like when he blitzes, his guys come from 5 to 10 yards off. Mm-hmm. He's not like big, fake, edge rusher guy, are, are they coming or not, except for in the middle, like you said, with the double-A gap. But like his blitzes are delayed, right? like with guys just running up, and you got to be super fast and athletic to get there. Um, but with, with corner Marshawn Lattimore, uh, middle linebacker Manti Teo, linebacker Alex Anzalone, third-round guy from Florida who I loved into the draft. They, they, they've done some work. Uh, Alex Okafor, right defensive end. They've done some work with their defense, but I think it's a good time to catch that new-look defense now. You know, it's like they yeah. can look at it and be like, you know, this is, if you like this Vikings offensive line and you think it's going to be okay, best time to catch it is game one. Well, likewise for their new defense with everybody doing everything right all the time. So sort of like the the way that Sean Payton may attack Mike Zimmer's defense with uh, Alvin Kamara, you know, getting guys out in space, trying to find the mismatches with uh, the linebackers, especially Gideon and Barr. I feel like the they they should do the exact same thing. I mean, you you mentioned Teo uh, Anzalone, and, and the heart and soul of their defense right now is AJ Klein. Yeah, and well, Cameron Jordan's the best player on their defense, right? But I'm saying the guy that the guy that Calls the plays. Yeah, he's highly highly touted free agent. They got out of Carolina. I like him. Uh, I like him, but I don't think collectively with those three linebackers, they're very athletic. Yeah, um, they can do a lot of good things. I I I like that Manti is somewhat athletic in space. He has, yeah. he has good awareness. He's always had good awareness from college of of reading and understanding zone coverages and where he's supposed to be spatially. He's not a super physical player. But you're forgetting what he did last year. Manti Teo led the NFL in imaginary tackles for loss. I always love that one. <laughs> I mean, imaginary tackles for memory loss. I yes. always love that one. Unbelievably um, good stuff. That'll never escape him, will it? I've only used that 15 times the last three yeah. years. It's it's like Sanchez will never escape the butt fumble, even though the butt fumble, <laughs> even though the butt fumble is not his fault. Yeah. You know, nobody ever talks about the lineman getting absolutely beasted and put on skates and put thrust into to uh, Sanchez. Sanchez will always go down as like, well, he's the butt fumble guy. Yeah. Yeah. Well, how about the offensive lineman guy's ass kick? Right. But um, <laughs> that's awesome. I never thought of that. Oh, you should. You watch the replay. Yeah. Like, who's the guy? Might have been Damian Woody. Who's the guy getting his shoulders pushed back and pushed back into the quarterback? Yeah. Um, so I, nothing about this defense, especially from the linebackers. Yeah. Um, really, even uh, you mentioned Jordan. I, I I, I, nothing scares me about this defense, and I think that you can't exploit uh, sort of their 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 non-athletic personnel yep. and take advantage of that. Nacho, last one. Um, Tampa and Miami postponed its game this weekend to Week Eleven. Mm-hmm. Week one bye for them due to Irma. Stupid. So now you got sixteen consecutive games beginning next week. Many ways to go with this. Uh, there are many ways to go with this. Like my top of the head take yesterday was. 
you out of one side of your mouth, NFL, you can't preach player safety mm-hmm. and then make teams play 16 consecutive games. Then as I was leaving the covenant, thinking about it a little bit, I'm like, you know what? The the, the players and the and the staff and everybody with the Miami Dolphins and maybe the Bucks, if that thing gets up there, they prob- they don't need to play at all this weekend. I mean, their families who are going to be directly impacted by this unbelievably powerful hurricane, they probably need to get a lot of things squared away this weekend too, man. It's a tough talker. Yeah, it's tough because um, it's hard to leave your families like that. And and I get that's probably their primary concern is, you know, how can we, how can we pull these guys away to play a game? uh, Whether it be in, in one of three or four neutral sites where stadiums are open. Yeah. Um, it, It would be a, it's a tough sell, but in the end, I tr- I really think, and, and I've been a part of this now a couple of times, you know, not only with the Metrodome collapse, but we had wildfires in San Diego one year. We were playing a Monday night football game at home. We had to move it to Sun Devil Stadium against the Miami, Miami Dolphins. Wow. Um, everybody's concerns when I was in San Diego were with everybody's friends and family. We had, guy, we had guys, you know, evacuating their homes as well. They had to leave it up to their wives. They had to leave it up to their, their people. They had, to, they had to figure out how to get it done. But guess what? You, you get it done. And, and I think that's – I think the smart play here is you figure out ways to have these guys relocate their families or whatever, uh, maybe not so much in Tampa, uh, but especially for Miami. And then you find a neutral site and you play. Because I feel really bad for especially the Tampa's chances. Tampa's, you know, Tampa's everybody's sexy pick to be like, oh, there's the sleeper team. That's yeah. the team that's going to go they're gonna make some waves in the playoffs. Yeah, It's going to be really hard when you got to play 16 straight games. Right. It's, a, it's an unfair advantage or disadvantage uh, to be in those situations for those teams to, to have no bye week. Yeah. And have no time to rest their guys. Yeah. Um, but you know what? If I'm a member of the Dolphins organization, and I'm not a player, so I don't have to go through what Nacho has to go through mentally and physically. It's after Thanksgiving, and I, I haven't gotten a break, and I'm not getting a break. And i got to win every game, specifically Miami in that division with New England. But you're, you're right about Tampa in a super tough division with Atlanta, New Orleans, and Carolina. But if I'm a staffer for the Dolphins, and A, I don't have the financial wherewithal the players or coaches have, and, and I don't have the, the outs that the players or coaches have, then I need to spend every waking minute up to this weekend with my family instead of focusing on a game. That fairly, there is that side of it too. Absolutely. I, I th- and, and I often get caught up, you know, now I'm on kind of both sides of this thing. You, you do forget about the staff. The, there's, there's as many, there's double the staff members yep. uh, compared to the number of players that have to travel with the teams and have to think about those things. So, yeah, I, yeah, there's not a true winner in this situation. I'm just saying that with enough time, people can find ways to take care of their families, um, given the situation, that you can find a neutral site to play. And you can get these guys. And if the NFL is that concerned by it, then have some sort of like emergency account where you can help out these franchises. Yeah. You know, if it comes to money, then then you can help reimburse these people for for their expenses. I think the NFL can find some some couch change to figure that out. Can't wait to call the game with you on Monday night. Thanks, Ben. Thank you, bud. Ben Lieber, at Nacho Lieber via Twitter. Uh, Pat Shermer, Vikings offensive coordinator, is part of the Love Covenant each and every day. Uh, it is the Vikings report featuring offensive coordinator Pat Shermer. And um, he gives us his thoughts not only on uh, – 
what happened last week with the Vikings, some things around the NFL, and, of course, previews the upcoming game. Nordo? Hey, Pat, what excites you about wide receiver Stephon Diggs? I think he's had an outstanding offseason. Uh, you know, he certainly made a lot of plays last year, and I've seen him sort of mature uh, as a player. Uh, I, I've really seen, um, you know, you can see that process from the, the practices a year ago to the practices this year. And uh, he's got a lot of energy, got a real good feel for what we're doing, and I think he can play either in the slot or outside. What about Adam Thielen off that career year last year? Yeah, I think he's, again, he's, he's a lot like Stefan. I, I think he had a great training um, sessions, and, I, and I, think he's, I think he's ready to go. So we feel good that you don't really have to isolate or target one receiver. You know, when you talk about those two guys plus the other guys we have, you know, we can just throw it to, to the open guy. Hey, Pat, what does Sam Bradford do well at the line in terms of making sure you run the best play possible? We, we have a certain amount of our offense where, you know, you're going to, you know, I'll give him a play and he'll have an audible. And then there's other things where if he just wants to change it, uh, he has license to do so. So because he's, you know, he's really dialed in, he knows what we want to do, he knows our system. Um, he knows what to get to. I think those are reasons why he can be effective doing it. You're listening to PA. I don't really answer preschool questions. On the fan. Brought to you by Canterbury's Card Casino. Every single day, there's poker, there's blackjack, there's card games, there's fun. Uh, this weekend and next weekend marks the final two weekends of live racing. So make sure you go to CanterburyPark.com, find out details, and uh, enjoy before the season comes to an end. Number one. Speaking of seasons coming to an end, uh, the wheels are back on the Twins bandwagon, PA. A high fly to left field. Going back is Smith at the wall. Gone! A three-run home run for Aire Adrianza. That courtesy Fox Sports North, Mr. Dick Bramer on the call there. Adrianza made it 4-1 Twins at the time, then the Rays tied it up. Twins went up 6-4, and the Rays tied it up. But then a bunt and an error opened up the seventh inning. Three runs in the seventh. Another one to cap it, made it 10-6 total. Twins victorious. And that means Papa John's is half off today for Twins fans. Use the code TWINSWIN the day after a Twins victory. You get half off large and extra large pizzas at PapaJohns.com. Uh, just to note, the Angels yesterday had a uh, half-game lead in the wild-card race to enter your Wednesday, and they lost to Oakland, so the Twins are back in the second wild-card spot. At least for a day. Uh, they are on to Kansas City. Gibson getting the start tonight. Royals are dead in this whole thing, but they did take two or three from the Twins last week. Got to have three or four 
I think, over the course of these next four games. What are your thoughts, PA? I think um, it's playing itself out where it's becoming obvious. The Twins wildcard situation will come down to the final series of the season. I mean, it's they, they hey, we're the second wildcard. Hey, we might catch Ooh. the Yankees. Holy cow. Oh, no. We lost two consecutive series, got passed by the Anaheimers. Uh, it's the, the Twins are, is not good enough to pull away from the pack, but the Twins are, is not bad enough to just flat drop out of it. Hmm. So this bad boy is going to come down to the final series of the season. Yeah, let's see what it is. I know they finish up final 10 games, our division games. So they'll do uh, a four-gamer starting September 21st against the Tigers mm-hmm. in Detroit. Three at Cleveland. Yeah. Twins like to win in Cleveland, apparently. Can't beat them here, but okay. they win on the road. Okay. Final three at home against the Tigers. Okay. Now, the Tigers are embarrassing right now, with yes. all due respect. I mean, after the fight with the Yankees and they move up, Upton and Verlander's gone, um, it's a completely negative vibe with the Tigers right now. Good group to have at the end of the season when you have something for which to play. Uh, but I still believe... I still go off what I said. Um, is I don't think the Twins are good enough to draw away from the pack and find a cushion into the final series of the season, but I don't think they're bad enough so that we won't have sweat equity three weeks from now. Number two. Uh, still in baseball, just kind of a cool nugget that is not Twins-related. Uh, the Cleveland Indians are ready to roll back to the World Series again. They won their 14th straight yesterday, PA, with a 5-1-W over the White Sox. Mm -hmm. Why is that interesting at all? Uh, Well, they're chasing down the Astros for the top spot in the American League right now. uh, Strohs have won seven straight, though, too. But they're the first team since the 1935 and 36 Cubs to have streaks of 14-plus victories uh, at one point in consecutive seasons. So the Indians are feeling it they're going at the, to the right wor- time. They're going to the World Series. They look very good. Yeah. The the teams that have been best during the regular season, specifically the Dodgers from the National League, I'm not going to go full lemming mode and look at exactly what has happened to the Dodgers of late and be like, oh, that's it. You know, Dodgers can't go to the World Series. Uh, but I honestly never really have trusted the Dodgers from a postseason standpoint, specifically with how they've handled the postseason in recent past. So I felt the National League is more wide open than maybe like Gleeman and some others have felt. Sure. I mean, long story longer. I mean, it's it's it may be in favored fashion, but it's I, I I'd be surprised if it's not Cubs Indians in the World Series again. I dig it. Number three. Football is back. 7.30 p.m. this evening. NBC. Defending champion New England Patriots host the Kansas City Chiefs. Right on. How good was that Super Bowl? Second and goal to go from the two. Toss sweep right for James. What are you Puts looking at, Beetle? Cuts it upfield. Driving forward. It's diving to the yes! goal line. It's still a touchdown. And a title for the Patriots. It. I can't believe it. They have completed the greatest comeback in Super Bowl. <laughs> Led by the greatest quarterback Look at Brady. in Super Bowl and NFL. Look at Brady. One more ring. James White. And a silver trophy is coming back to New England. Oh, oh my goodness. Uh, 98.5, the sports hub out of Boston. I just want to throw some more Scott Zolak in here. I don't care. They got balls. And when you have balls on the biggest stage, you win championship football games. That was one of the more thrilling Super Bowls, at least uh, from about seven or eight minutes left in the third quarter to its completion. 
uh, that we've seen. Super Bowl 51 behind us, Super Bowl 52 ahead of us, and it starts this evening. It is the Patriots and the Chiefs. Uh, Charge has the Pats going 19-0, uh, and 0, and Week 1 having it at Foxborough ain't a bad spot to be if you're trying to go 19-0. and 0. Uh, But how could the uh, Kansas City Chiefs make this potentially interesting as a uh, football fan this evening? Well, I mentioned it earlier, and um, I'll reemphasize it now because I think it's it's a football mind docker. Uh, Bill Belichick is the best in the NFL at exposing your weaknesses and finding 18 different ways to expose said weakness. So if he finds a weakness and he hits you with A, B, and C, when you get A, B, and C covered up, uh, here comes D, and then here comes E, and he just never stops. First game of the season, specifically off the emotional Super Bowl victory, against a coach in Andy Reid who's incredibly good at preparation, specifically when he has X amount of months for a game. I um, I mean, it's way too grandstandish to say Kansas City wins tonight. I'm going to tell you this right now. If I, w- I will not be surprised if the Chiefs win the game. I expect it to be a close game. Uh, New England with its equity probably will find a way to pull it out. If I'm in the 702, I'm absolutely on KC plus the nine and a half. That's a big spread. And I think the omission of Edelman from a reality football standpoint is markedly more detrimental to the long term of New England Patriots football this year than fantasy football guys do. So you don't think because it's more of a, they, sh- of a short-term thing where they can work it in and become acclimated to the loss? Because they look at it like you get Brandon Cooks and you plug him in. Brandon Cooks is more talented than Julian Edelman, but so are a million players in the NFL. But to do it the way Brady and Edelman do it at the times they do it and on the downs they do it, you're taking a lot of third down and big spot equity out of the New England plan. Mm. New England's also taken some injury hits defensively uh, and is coming off a Super Bowl season where it was an amazing comeback and a very grind-like offseason for these Patriots. So Patriots should be favored to win the Super Bowl. Um, but I think the omission of Edelman is is a tough long-term omission for them. They have a second-year receiver from Georgia named Malcolm, Malcolm Mitchell, who I loved last year. I love him this year. I like Cooks, um, and I like Dwayne Allen complimenting Rob Gronkowski. Hey, we're, we're breaking down the prohibitive favorite to win the Kentucky Derby. <laughs> so, yeah, the, the horse should win the Derby. But I'm saying tonight and early in the season – if you're going to get that horse, you better jump that horse early in the season. And I think KC jumps it a little bit tonight. Number four. From one omission to one returning, Lindsey Whalen back at practice yesterday after breaking her hand. The team stubbed their toes a little bit, went four and five in their first nine games without Lindsey during the regular season. They did win the last three and clinched the first overall seed into the playoffs. Uh, PA, the team won't start the playoffs until the semifinal round next week, Tuesday or so. So Lindsay gets about a week yeah. uh, to get back into the rhythm with the old squad. Uh, Mercury and Connecticut's Sun play. And then Washington Mystics, New York Liberty will play. The Lynx will host the lowest seed of those two winners. Best of five series. All the home games will be at Williams Arena. Uh, Lynx got to be in the WNBA Finals, right? Yeah. I mean, when you have Lindsay Whalen back with uh, Maya Moore, Sylvia Fowles is... She has to be MVP of WNBA, right? Uh, that certainly does not mean that you are owed the finals. But um, viewing it from the outside as casual WNBA guy, I'd expect the Lynx to be in the WNBA finals. Number five. 
In uh, Browns being Browns-related news, PA, uh, defensive end Miles Garrett, the first overall pick. Yeah, he's really good. In this NFL draft, uh, he is very good. He's been diagnosed with a high ankle sprain ah. and uh, will admit uh, at least two weeks. Now, they were 1-15 last year, so it's like probably not trying to immediately go win the AFC North. However, uh, their first two games are going to be the Steelers. And then the Ravens. Yeah. So they come out of the gates with two big spot division games. You yeah. want your fat, highly touted rookie in there to cause some problems for these guys, Big yeah. Ben and Mr. Flacco. Or unless Flacco, Flacco's I think he's in. He is in. Okay. Yeah, they, they can beat the Ravens. But Garrett, uh, Garrett High Ankle Sprain, he's out uh, at least two weeks. Uh, the Browns can beat the Ravens. Um, I like the direction the Browns are taking. I like some things that they've done with their roster. Um, and, you know, Greg Williams, pain in the ass with Bounty Gate and everything. Uh, and he goes, he's overzealous with uh, with the unsportsmanlike stuff and, and overly aggressive. And Greg, Greg Williams, quite honestly, with all due respect, has embarrassed himself at times during his career as a defensive coordinator in the NFL. Other side of it, uh, Figa, Fairness, and Greg Act, he's a very good defensive coordinator, and he's very unpredictable. And I think he's going to do a good job with that defense, specifically when uh, when Miles Garrett comes back. Deshaun Kaiser against uh, the Steelers in the first game of the season. Deshaun Kaiser's NFL debut. Uh, doesn't sound good for uh, the rookie from Notre Dame, but, um, but as he develops, I meant what I said a couple of weeks ago when I was like, you know, there are so many people who told me this is a bad quarterback draft. And now that I've watched them through the preseason, Kaiser, Mahomes, Trubisky, maybe Peterman from Buffalo, one I'm leaving out, Deshaun Watson, I'd take all those quarterbacks. Hmm. I mean, I think that there are good quarterbacks that came out of the most recent draft. Kaiser's one of them. And finally, I know you've been waiting for this. Number six. I read up on that Michael Bennett thing, if you're interested. I know you asked me earlier, and I wasn't completely up to speed on it. So, I mean, if eventually you want to bring that up, we may not have time, but but I'm uh, I'm cool with that. Okay, well, there isn't enough time probably now yeah, uh, because it needs more discussion, and, uh, and we only have a couple of minutes to do it. With, so. with the Bennett thing, all I'll say is if you're like me up until two hours ago, and you're just looking at headlines and press conferences and stuff on Twitter. Yep. You think he is absolutely a victim in this whole thing. Correct. And then if you read into it and you see, you know, assuming the Las Vegas police officers are telling the truth, and there's video evidence that they are, you know, when they ask everybody in the casino to get down and then he gets up and runs. Yeah. You know, and then what transpires after that? It's um, it's an unfortunate story on many levels. And there was the the highly publicized video they showed during the Las Vegas Metro PD's press conference yesterday afternoon, and I saw that video as well. Yeah, I and, just saw it. Okay, so there are more videos that will be coming out. Yeah. And so there's some body cam related negativity with the guy who put the cuffs on him, didn't yeah. turn on his cam, so that's not good. Well, which is an L on his part. I don't know. How and that unacceptable. Works. It's stupid. Uh, but then, I mean, with the video that I saw, I now want to, I'm one of those guys that's like, let's, let's let the facts come out. Yeah. Okay. There is so much bleeping negativity yeah. regarding police in this country yep. and how they're handling those types of situations. And now you have a big name, right? You have a big name guy who's coming out and saying, this is how I was treated. Right. And it was because of the color of my skin. Right. And all of this is coming in volcano, volcano like. Uh, let's see how it shapes out. I want to see some more videos. If you're 7 out of 10-ish like, like I was the last couple of days, um, just looking at headlines and reading from afar, yeah. you would absolutely think 
Bennett's a victim, racial profiling, which we've seen uh, so many times where I legitimately believe racism was involved and there there was racial profiling in some of these things that we've seen and read about and stuff like that. Yeah. I cannot necessarily say that was the case in this situation. No. Now that I've read up on it and I've seen some video and stuff like that. Couldn't agree with you more on that, and I'm sure more will come out, and we'll discuss that in the days to come. Yeah. Uh, the only other thing I had, really, and it's no one cares. They're putting chips in the footballs now because you gotta you gotta have numbers and math and science and everything as part of the NFL. Right. There will be chips in the footballs this year that'll elevate or take track of speed and win and traveling distance and things. It's it's very super super interesting and compelling. Final hour nine to noon looks like this. Mike Zimmer's press conference from Winter Park. Twenty twenty five minutes from now. Ben Utek, former Gophers tight end, joins about forty five minutes from now for Super Bowl stories. And a nine to noon continues from the Brian heating and cooling studios after this don't let me down don't let me down don't let me down goes for the twins at kc gophers at corvallis Vikings at home against the New Orleans Saints. And if we want to be quasi-petty, but I mean, we're pulling for the Vikings to win the division. I guess it kind of goes for the Seattle Seahawks. And if somebody loved me like you do. Russell Wilson, love us like you do. Lambo, Sunday, 325. Deep shot, Doug Baldwin, TD. Might be a little too early in the equation to worry about that. Paul, we're not worried about anybody else. We're just worried about ourselves. Copyright PJ Fleck. Weekly guest, 9 to noon, starting next week. Every Thursday, 11.35-ish. PJ Fleck. With yours truly. It's 11 o'clock. Mike Zimmer, coach of the uh, Minnesota Vikings, with his uh, weekly presser uh, coming up within uh, the next 15, 20 minutes, uh, transpiring on a Thursday this week because they play on Monday Night Football. Massive series for the Minnesota Twins in front of us right now. Indeed, John Lennon, don't let us down. The Twins lost two of three to Kansas City at home and just lost two of three at Tampa. This may be a dumb question because maybe Tampa is a super profitable team, and I'm not one to squash dreams of markets. You know, we're in that market, in that Tampa market. They're relatively close to Tallahassee where the Florida State Seminoles play. They got the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. They got the the, uh, Tampa Bay Lightning. But I just don't understand why there's a baseball team in Tampa St. Pete. I mean, it, it... they can be coached by Joe Madden and have David Price as one of their stud pitchers with Evan Longoria and whomever and and the Upton kids, and they still get 5,000 people a game. I, I just don't understand what good it is for Major League Baseball to have that team in that market. And no matter if it's good or if it's bad, I mean, it's like if I'm watching the, the MLB package and – New York or Boston 
are playing at Tampa. They'll have 25,000. And 18,000 of them are rooting for the Red Sox or the Yankees. It's a really awkward situation. I mean, it's not Vikings-Packers at U.S. Bank Stadium, 92% Vikings fans, but the 8% uh, cheering for John Kuhn going, Kuhn, the 8% is a loud 8%. It's 75% adversary, 25% home team. I mean, maybe I'm completely missing something from the equation here with the fact that it, it you know baseball's been in Tampa for X amount of years now, but nobody goes. I mean, when you when you the 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 ball the the ballpark uh, the flop at the trop sucks, so nobody wants to go into that spot when you know when 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 there are other things to do in the Tampa St. Pete area, including Clearwater over an elongated bridge and Clearwater spectacular. But it's like for Tampa, it's not like with the Metrodome. Nobody wants to go into the Metrodome in June, July, or August because we only have so many warm months here. It's always warm in Tampa. And even when it's not warm, it's not that cold. Just weird, man. When I watch Tampa Ray games, I'm like, why is that even a thing in Major League Baseball? Baseball in Tampa. We know... Uh, the equity the Minnesota Twins have established over the years. And we also know that the team is hot and thick in a wild card related race. Nine to noon really wants the Minnesota Twins to play in that wild card game at Yankee Stadium. I mean, if it's only for a night and it's Barrios versus whomever or Santana versus whomever, I mean, that's fat. It's, it's high drama. It's elite sports snobbery. That would be terrific. I'm really hoping they get there. Meant what I said 30 minutes ago. I don't think they're good enough to pull away and build a cushion into the final series or two at the end of the season. But I also don't think they're mediocre or bad enough to just like fall out of it after losing two of three at home to KC and two of three at Tampa. What's in front of us now? In baseball, until you get to the final game or the final series, you can't be an all-or-nothing guy. In other sports, with X amount of games to go in a season, you can have a little all-or-nothing to you. Too many games, just so many games. You're playing every day. You're traveling all the time. However, the four at KC that begins this evening, know this. The rubber is meeting the road right here. I mean, it's been topsy-turvy. And most of it's been good. Some of it, some of it has been questionable. Rubber meets road right now. Gibson and something called Gaviglio or Gaviglio tonight. Santana Kennedy tomorrow. Gibson allowed three earned runs his last three starts. Santana's our ace. He's not like a Kershaw, uh, Keuchel, Strasburg, whomever ace, but he's our ace. So you got. Gibby, who's been reliable for a couple of weeks, and you got Santana, allegedly your best to start this series. KC is two behind us for that second wild card. Win three or four, win three of four here, and you do some serious damage to the morale of the Kansas City Royals. If it's a split, they're the same Royals. But here's something that concerns me with this series. And it's not necessarily predicated off being a prisoner of the moment and what I just saw with the Royals over the weekend. 
but I ain't going to lie to you, it plays into it a little bit. It's September baseball. Kansas City has players and a coaching staff that is battle-tested for this time of the season. You know, with Locaine and some of the guys on this team. I mean, they, they got new faces in, in new and or old places. But these Royals are battle-tested for September baseball. And when they're playing bad teams they should, they're, they're supposed to beat, like the Tigers, they beat them. When they go to Minnesota knowing we're X amount of games back from the second wild card, and if we take two or three L's, we're in a lot of trouble, they win two or three. So the rubber is meeting the road this series for the Minnesota Twins against a team that has impressed me for years. The, the, these Royals are battle-tested for this time of the season. Guys who know how to handle the pressure, this is going to be a lot of fun beginning this evening with Gibby. You know what else is going to be a lot of fun? The Gophers at Oregon State Saturday night. I'm excited to watch this game. I missed the Buffalo game because of the Vikings-Miami game, and I'm really excited to watch the Gophers' offensive line. It may be hardcore hardcore football-ish, but in either chatting, either becoming flecknetized or reading uh, or, or hearing stuff about this team the entire offseason, my concern from afar is that this offensive line might be really bad. I mean, it's like, I mean, I know Jonah Persig left and couldn't get a job in the NFL, and they're replacing guys, and they, you know, they, they got young guys, but I just never heard anything good about the offensive line. Like there's this unbelievably good stud from here and this good stud from there, and even as true freshmen or redshirt freshmen or sophomores or whatever, that version of the Minnesota moving company was really going to pave the way for Rodney Smith, Shannon Brooks, and protect whichever quarterback they use. I ain't saying it's bad because I haven't watched it, but I'm excited Saturday night to watch it because I didn't get to watch anything of the Buffalo game. From a big-picture standpoint, I can look from afar and chase the box score and look at the Buffalo game and be like, huh, going to be a long season for the Gophers. I want to watch some things. Like like the defensive line outside of the Richardson kid. I, I want to watch the defensive line and see how they rush from the edge. And when Oregon State runs, I want to see how the top defensive ends handle contain. How much they bite on the play action, then all of a sudden, or or some type of delay, and then there's there's a slow weaving run their way. Did you keep contained? Or did you overbite? And are you able to run out run out there to the flat and put a TFL on somebody? I want to watch stuff like that. I'm excited to see the Gophers quarterbacks on the road and see what they look like in game action. I remember Rhoda against Maryland. I watched the whole game. I think it was on a Vikings bye week. I barely remember Croft, you know, but in, in chatting with PJ a little bit on or off the mic this offseason, I feel comfortable in that I know the strengths of each of these quarterbacks, but I want to see it Saturday night, 9 o'clock, or listen to it on the fan, FM 100.3, the fan, home for Gophers football. And I just want to formulate my own opinions with this offensive line, the rushing from the edge, the quarterbacks, and I want to watch Antoine Winfield Jr. I want to watch number 26, 26's kid. He's a hybrid from what I hear, but I haven't seen it. That he's a safety that can go down and play some nickel corner, and he can also give you some big safety, uh, big big nickel type play as a safety who like sets up in linebacker spots. Kind of like Arizona Cardinals' Dayon Buchanan or Shaq Thompson for the Carolina Panthers. 
I want to watch Antoine Winfield Jr. play. See what he looks like. I mean, I, I keep hearing, including from P.J. Fleck and Ryan Burns and a lot of different people who know a thousand times more about it than me, that he's really, really good. I want to watch him in game action as a sophomore. P.J. Fleck joins 9 to noon every week starting next week on Thursdays, and uh, that'll take place at about 11.35-ish, 11.40-ish each and every Thursday. Mike Zimmer is set to address the media at uh, Winter Park coming up here shortly. Uh, we will carry that press conference when 9 to noon continues. You're listening to P.A. Time for two more. On the Fan. Programming on the Fan brought to you in part by Arby's. Waiting for Vikings coach Mike Zimmer to address the assembled media at Winter Park. Break down this uh, Vikings Saints game. Uh, meanwhile, quarterback Sam Bradford speaking now. Let's gravy train it. You know, things that we've had success with in the past, you know, he can kind of draw on that, you know, and the same being, you know, I know what Pat's trying to do, you know, with certain calls. You know, I know how we're trying to attack defenses. So, you know, I think our conversations during the game, having been together, um, you know, we've got a pretty good feel for what we're seeing out there on the field and what we want to get to. So it makes it easy for me, you know, to come up to him with ideas. But it also, you know, it's easy for me to understand when he comes to me with something, hey, I want to get to this play or I want to get to this play. I usually have a pretty good understanding of why he wants to do that. More input um, going into the week with the game plan that's assembled and making changes at the line of scrimmage this year? Um, you know, I think I've always had input um, with him. You know, like I said, I think one of the greatest things about him is his willingness to adapt, his willingness to listen. You know, if I have a good idea and I take it to him and he likes it, you know, he's going to put it in. We're going to look at it during the week. Um, you know, so I don't know if it's any more this year than it has been in the past. Any more responsibility with protections with the offensive line and how young some of those guys are? Um, probably a little bit. Um, you know, like I said, I've got a lot of confidence in Pat. You know, I think he's done a great job just understanding our protections, understanding our schemes, and how we're trying to block things. Um, you know, but at the end of the day, he still is young. Um, and so if I can help and if I see something that, you know, I need to change, then obviously I'll do so. Last couple for Sam. All right, there we go. Time for two more. Bradford Dunn? Yeah, I guess that's it. Bradford Dunn, Zimmer approaching the mic, right? Uh, I believe it should be immediately. Time for two more. Okay. That's a dumb question. Fire away. Hey, Mike, are you having a nice day? That's a dumb question. Time for two more. This portion of the press conference brought to you by... Come on! Tyrone Rodney Smith against Oregon State. <laughs> Oof. Hashtag Faith Radio. All day, every day in America. Thank you, Worthington. Down with that KWOA. They're getting their first taste of a game week presser down in Worthington. Right. Worthington. 
when we do carry these, we promise they go more swimmingly. Yeah, typically there's a walkthrough followed by a horn. Yeah, horn. And then I can almost put it to a stopwatch 90 seconds and the main man is at the podium. Now, even though our approach to carrying Zimmer's presser this week is best relegated for AM, it's generally more seamless. But you know what? We don't carry these press conferences every week, Worthington. Dog spot, anybody else? I mean, they're generally on Wednesday, and on Wednesdays we got main man Matt Burke. Now, September's a little bit of a grinder for the Super Bowl winning center uh, because he's like here, there, everywhere from Boston to Denver and every town in between. We had him on the phone yesterday. So, I mean, we'll mix and match. It's football season. Worthington, that's what we do 9 to noon. It's like we do a lot of things, and, you know, when the wild get underway and we do Vox in the Box, we think you'll like that. Newfangled Timberwolves squad this year. Can't wait to uh, to talk about that. The producer and I watch every game. I've been an NBA guy since since my late mom, Shirley. Here's Zimmer. We're getting ready and excited to prepare for New Orleans on Time Monday night. Time for two more! Uh, you know, it's going to be important that... This, our crowd helps us out loud. They've got a fast break offense. Um, he does a lot of things at the line of scrimmage, and uh, you know, so hopefully we'll start tailgating early because the game's at six this week. So we gotta we gotta get going here and get ready to get ready to get U.S. Bank Stadium rocking. Questions? Mike, does, uh, does Drew Brees do anything differently now um, than he did earlier in his career? Uh, he's awful good. He's really good. Um, Extremely accurate. You know, I think one of the things that he's got an unbelievable arm, too. Um, but one of the things that sets him apart, I think, is uh, he's so quick getting rid of the football, going, knowing where to go with the, um, to the different spots. Um, he really is, you know, Hall of Fame kind of quarterback. Um, you know, one of, obviously one of the best in the NFL and one of the best that's ever played. Mike, given all the, the hype surrounding this game, Monday night opener, Peterson's return, do you do you talk to the team at all about just kind of staying with what you do rather than getting caught up in that? Well, I talk to the team about a lot of things, but I'm not going to discuss them here. Going back to Breeze, uh, you mentioned the quick release. Is that what makes him so hard to sack for, for defenses, or is there other things that you Yeah, if he doesn't pull the ball down, um, you know, if you don't make him pull the ball down, he's he's going to get it out, and he's not going to get sacked. Mike, when you're in your base defense, you'll have three rookies starting. Is that a statement on today's NFL or just the, the talent that you guys brought in this year? We're in our base defense. We'll have three rookies. Three rookies starting, Koning, Dalton Cook, and Dalton oh, oh, he said base defense. I was trying to figure that out. Okay. Um, so the question was about the NFL or talent? Uh, I think it's both. I think, you know, I think obviously, except for Breeze, um, you know, and Terrence Newman, you know, the NFL is getting, getting younger most of the time. And, uh, but, but, you know, I do believe our scouts did a nice job with, uh, with the guys in the draft and the guys that we brought in. Well, you know, he is really hard to fool. I mean, he's seen so many different things. Um, 
you know, he's a great competitor. Um, you know, part of it is just doing what we do and, you know, will we change up some? Sure. You know, and so will they, you know, they, they try to keep you off balance. We'll try to keep them off balance and we'll go to work. How tough is it to know what to expect from the Saints defense with so many new faces over there? Yeah, they've got a lot of new guys, um, you know, uh, but they, they are talented. They've got, you know, I think uh, I counted five or six of the first rounders uh, with their group. And uh, so, um, you never, you know, that's, that's the unknown about a first game. You never know, really, especially when they've, and, and I have seen some change from last year to this year in the preseason on some of the things they're doing defensively. Um, so, yeah, it can present a, a problem. What were your impressions of Lattimore uh, coming out of the draft? Um, same impressions now. Really good corner, uh, good good cover skills, uh, um, gets in and out of the breaks, good hands. Like a couple years ago when you were still trying to figure out where you wanted Eric Hendricks to be permanently, whether middle or outside, what made you want to keep him in the middle? This year? A couple years ago, you know, when you were still... Well, we had Chad before, and I figured, you know, to get the best three on the field, that was the best way to go. And this year, you know, Kendrick's played so well a year ago. He's so comfortable doing that position, and, you know, I hadn't talked to him a little bit. He didn't really want to move, and I didn't really want to move him. And like earlier this summer, you talked about getting to know um, Sam Bradford better with because uh, you were kind of texting after a lot of the practices while you are away. Uh, what? Um, I still do. Yeah. Yes. Now that you've you know kind of had more time to spend. Uh, well, he's really knowledgeable. You know, he he's um, you know, and I mean, maybe some of the things I know more now are you know personal things, things that are going on, you know, things he likes to do outside of football, and um, you know that stuff. I mean, as far as football wise. Um, you know, most of the time our conversations are about football, and uh, you know, a lot of times he asks what what I see, and you know, I ask him about well, what did he see there or whatever, you know, and be alert for this or that. With Kendricks, how, how has he evolved, kind of as a leader, you know, in the middle of that defense, making calls from you know the past couple of years? Uh, you know, he's just more comfortable in everything he does. Um, you know, he's. I think the guys really respect him because he's a playmaker. Um, you know, he plays real hard. He's um, he's a tough kid. And then, um, you know, as far as the the leadership part, I think you know Eric, Eric to me is who he is. He he he's gonna lead by example. He makes the calls. He gets the calls out. And you know, he takes accountability for his actions. He's pretty quiet off the field. Is he? Is he, uh, is he what? He seems fairly quiet away from the game, like in the locker room and that. What's he like during during game day when you're going over things with him on the sidelines? Uh, he's the same. He's, he's the same as in during practice. You know, he's focused, intense. You know, he's always been an intense guy. Um, but he he understands, and, if, you know, if he makes a mistake, he, he owns up to it. Player that he is, especially. So is he a good example of um, the modern-day kind of defender, smaller, faster linebacker that's supposed to the bigger guys? Well, it it is a little bit, yeah. I mean, the way the NFL is evolving into into more of a you know spread offense kind of a thing. Um, yeah, I would say that's true. You know, you you have to have linebackers that can cover nowadays, I believe, um, just because of the way the the league is. Seen enough of the Tavius. So I've, you know, the things I've seen, um, you know, he's explosive to the hole. 
good vision, um, carries his pads forward. I think that, you know, I think that uh, he can be a good uh, physical runner. Mike Dalvin was saying he loves the fact on draft day that you guys took a chance on a kid with quote-unquote character issues and that his idea was to just come in here and not talk and just let his work do the talking. Um, what have you seen aside from the work that has impressed you with him? Well, that's pretty much what he's done. He's, he's, he, he stays quiet. He's, you know, he's a positive, um, confident person. And uh, but he he likes to um, he likes to go around and high five the you know the offensive linemen and and the rest of the offensive players. So he's got a little energy that way. Uh, but you know he's he's been quiet like like he said he was going to be. Uh, he's been detailed about his work. Um, so you know pretty much what he said. That's what he's done. You expect Barr to be more of a playmaker this year? Yeah, you know um, that. A lot of times that depends on the game, you know. A lot of times, you know, it's like I expect Everson to be a playmaker all the time. But, you know, if they're putting two or three guys on him, then, you know, things happen. So the same, it's the same thing with Barr. But, um, yeah, I think he's going to have a good year. He's worked really hard this offseason. Um, you know, he's he's improved on a lot of things that he needed to improve on. And, uh, you know, but each game is going to be different, you know, based on what other teams decide they want to do. And then we have to attack in other ways. Time for two more. How do you go about kind of trying to figure out how they're going to use their their running backs in, in different ways, you know, different skill sets, and they've got three pretty good ones there right now. Yeah, well, they're you know they do have different skill sets. That's true, um, but you know their offense hasn't changed in a number of years. Um, so they're going to run their offense, and you know when they whether it's whether it's uh, Kamara or or. Um, 22, you know, they're in there and they're behind the, behind the center, then that's what they're going to do. Um, you know, that, that part I don't think is going to change much. They'll use each guy a little differently like they always do. Um, and they do have a little bit different skill set than all of them, well, three of them. But, um, you know, that's, you know, offensively, um, you know, they've, they've been really good in offense, you know, for a long, long time. So I wouldn't expect them to go to the wishbone. Well, I mean, it's not, it doesn't have to be the wishbone to have a, just a slight, it doesn't have to be the wishbone to slightly change what you would expect from a New Orleans offense that weeks four, five, six, and seven will not look like it's going to look weeks one and two for sure, or maybe three. Lieber brought this up on the power trip this morning, expounded on it, 9 to noon. And, you know, a couple of years ago, when the Vikings went to um, went to San Francisco, and they the Niners had a new coach in Jim Tomsula, and with what it showed in the preseason, yet what it delivered game one with three tight ends, Carlos Hyde, Colin Kaepernick, and an absolute run-first mentality that just never stopped. And I think Hyde had, feels like 140, something around there. Could have been 160-ish. We remember the game. He got us good. Right. The the running game mashed on us all game. Tremaine Brock, new member of the Vikings, had a pick in that game, by the way. Right. 
to to anticipate a Sean Payton orchestrated Drew Brees led offense to be a complete run first operation from afar seems like a stretch. However, if you were to look at 2016 and if you want to pull anything from the preseason, a problem the Vikings defense has at times is stopping the run. And that's with elite run stopper Linval Joseph and Eric Hendricks, who's really good against the run. You know, the, the, the positions New Orleans does not want to be in is third, second and or third and long facing the double-A gap deception and trickery of where the blitzes are coming from. The mugs. Right. Mug, you liked that, didn't you? <laughs> Mugging the a gap, and you know now now you got uh, now you got the mugs opposite the centers the center and guards, and then here comes Hitman from the edge. Yeah, you want to avoid that. With Peterson and Kamara and uh, Ingram, you can run between the tackles. You know, Le- Lieber said something earlier that I think is very compelling, and I don't know if it's going to take place, but if Peyton can keep Zimmer. In his 4-3 base, with Ben Gedeon on the field, if Alvin Kamara, this good pass-catching rookie running back from Tennessee, if he can play some slot and make it work and find a way to concoct Gedeon and or Sandejo responsibility, that could be very intriguing from a New Orleans offensive standpoint. Jeez. And the battering in the Bay is a good example, and maybe as Vikings fans, a good example is why it's difficult to, you know, peg the Vikings as what you saw in these games that didn't count, in the 30-9, to in the tough game at Seattle and those sorts of things, and the run defense and all of those things, because of a coach like Sean Payton and a guy even like Jim Tomsula a couple of years ago, Guys figuring out how to take specific things of what you know is going to work, hiding that, sneaking it, and bringing out the cards when it matters. Right. And And this is the game to do it. And this is exactly the game to do it. When you think about all the the Adrian Peterson-related drama of all of that, you know that this pass defense is very, very high-end in the Minnesota Vikings. And the cliche would be they're going to spread it out and it's, it's Mackenzie Alexander versus whoever they put in the slot, and that's yeah. how it's going to work, and that's that's what you got to focus on. Yeah. Well, what happens all of a sudden now if you see, you know, six out of the first nine plays, you know, a couple of inside zone, you push twenty eight to the outside. Now Mark Ingram's in there. Now they got a fullback, and they're going heavy on us, and they're yeah. doing all this stuff. Meanwhile, Drew Brees hasn't done play action yet, and you're midway through the first quarter. Yeah. You know, now that that's how things get tricky and get weird quickly. And Mike Zimmer, you can tell he's tired and he wants to get this game over with. He's probably mid-scheme in about three different directions right now on how to handle that. Well, if you're Sean Payton, elite offensive mind against Mike Zimmer, elite defensive mind. And ever since you started organized team activities in minicamp, you've spent five months scheming against each other from afar. And, And, you know, these guys know each other and they coached with each other with the Dallas Cowboys. So the competitive arrogance that's there between Peyton and Zimmer, it it is a story. Mm-hmm. It may not be a ballyhooed story into the game, but if you're Peyton and you look at the Vikings 4-3 base, or if you look at the Vikings defense, you obviously try to find weaknesses you can exploit and how can you continue to mash on it 
until they make you stop. And the two obvious ones to start will be, when they're 4-3, let's make sure this Michigan linebacker can cover. Let's make sure he can cover. We know he can tackle. Let's make sure he can cover. And when they go nickel, let's make sure this second-year DB from Clemson is better than he was last year. Yeah. And those are some subplots that will play into Monday night. You're listening to PA. Faith is uh, belief without proof. On the fan. A-N. I can't wait. I can't wait until tomorrow. And he's Paul Allen. Well be too late. Football feast. I can't wait. I can't wait until tomorrow. Cause tomorrow Clumper. Can never come. Super Bowl stories. Ben Utech, it's Paul Allen. How have you been? Paulie, how you doing, bud? My main man, Ben, went undrafted from the University of Minnesota in 2004. I uh, played with the Indianapolis Colts from 04 through 07, then the Cincinnati Bengals, 08 and 09. Via Twitter, he is at Ben Utech, U-T-E-C-H-T. He played in six playoff games, including Super Bowl 41, captured a ring with the Indianapolis Colts following the 2006 season. Main man uh, rejoins the equation now. Things well with you? Oh, can't complain. I've got four beautiful daughters. Three of them are back in school, so a little bit more breathing room. Life is good. Life is good, Paul. Ain't that the truth. Uh, (laughs) Thank you for assisting us with Super Bowl stories. It's something we do weekly with uh, people who have taken part in the Super Bowl up to Super Bowl 52 at U.S. Bank Stadium. Uh, Your Colts beat the Chicago Bears uh, in the uh, the Miami Super Bowl, uh, the one with Prince uh, performing at halftime, which was unbelievable. You win twenty nine to seventeen. Top of the head, what do you remember about the game? Well, it was one of only two Super Bowls in the history of the game to rain. So I, I remember the rain filling the Miami Dolphins Stadium. Uh, you know, and and I I, I share the story. Adam Vinatieri. Our all-pro place kicker, he already won three Super Bowls with New England Patriots, but he told our team two weeks before the game that um, that at kickoff, he said, men, don't blink. Don't you dare blink. And so here I am two weeks, you know, fast forward two weeks on the sideline next to uh, Tony Dungy on my right, Peyton Manning on my left, and Adam's walking off his steps and I remember what he said, don't blink. So side rain's hitting me in the face, but you better believe I'm not going to blink. And uh, he placed his foot perfectly on that ball, Paul. And I, I got to tell you, I mean, in that moment, I, I knew exactly why he, he told the team that because it was the greatest light show that I've ever experienced. It, it's hard. To, it's, it really is. I mean, we watch it as fans every single year. We see, we see 80,000 flashing lights go off at one time, but to actually be there on the 50-yard line and experience it is, is uh, surreal. So, I mean, that was the first thing that I remember from that, from that experience, truly um, a remarkable opportunity. When Devin Hester got to the end zone <laughs> on the yeah. opening kickoff of that Super Bowl, <laughs> Were you right. guys in any way nervous? Uh, well, I, I, my heart just sank into my stomach. I felt I got I got sick to my stomach pretty quick because you know I'm 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 kind of having this this revelation moment, you know, pinching myself, uh, you know, a Minnesota kid from a small river town, you know, that whole cinematic experience, you know, and then all of a sudden, Devin Hester shattered it. <laughs> 
and took it 100 yards on the first play of the game, you know. But I, I got to tell you, you know, just seeing the reaction of my Hall of Fame head coach on my right and, and Peyton Manning not paying any attention, uh, you know, to, to the celebration, just talking with another Minnesota native, Tom Moore, offense coordinator, uh, about how we were going to respond to that. I, I just kind of was immediately enraptured back into this championship culture that was created in Indianapolis. And, and um, you know, the rest of the game really kind of went the way that we wanted it to. What what uh, were some of your responsibilities in that game? I know you had a catch for eight yards. I also mm-hmm. know your bookending tight end, if you went with two tight ends, pretty good, Dallas Clark, uh, uh, the uh, former Iowa Hawkeye, really good NFL career. What What, yeah. what do you remember – were your top responsibilities for the Colts offense in that game, Ben? Well, we start, you know, we started two tight ends, so I, I got to to be one of the starter starters on that uh, on that team during, you know, in that game, and it put a lot of it put a lot of pressure on on uh, the linebacking core and the secondary of of uh, Chicago because when you've got two guys that can that can really get out and run, Dallas. I, you know, being a four five forty guy, and and I'm in that four was in that four six range, and so you've got two tight ends that that can really spread that seam. Uh, I think our job a lot of the times was to was to really put that pressure on the linebackers. Uh, I was you know one of the guys that um, you know uh, had to do a lot of the inline blocking as well, and we ran that zone offense. So you know, really important to be able to. Um, to get our running backs on the outside. Those were two things that were a huge responsibility. Also, you know, Chicago was blitzing a lot at the time. And the catch that you mentioned actually came off of a, off of a fake blitz where Erlacher had, had come up into the A-gap. And um, it was funny because I was in the backfield to the left of Peyton, and he, he, he would call me Tech, and he said, Hey, Tech, you know, uh, ball's coming to you. Erlacher's faking the blitz. And sure enough, Jeff Saturday put the snap back, Erlacher dropped into zone coverage. I snuck through that A-gap and, and turned, and he put the ball on me about five yards deep, and then I I ran over Erlacher for the first down. So it was a huge, it was just such a special memory right there. When when the Ben Utex or the Joseph Adais or whomever are full of anxiety and a little nervous in the huddle, what's Peyton Manning like? What was he like in the huddle of the Super Bowl? You know, He's, in my experience with Peyton, for with for, you know for four years, I, I I never saw anybody really more consistent uh, in in the way that he handled himself week to week. You know, it was one of his, I think one of his main priorities before the team went down to Miami, Paul, was to ensure that nothing was going to change. Um, you know, there was some talk about different scheduling and. Uh, um, you know, different opportunities to be introduced during that week down there. And, and Peyton was the first to say, you know what, I think we need to keep everything the exact same. We need to treat this just like it's any other game. And, you know, you can kind of chuckle at that, but um, but it's true. And that, that really was the type of leader he was. So um, if he was nervous, I, I couldn't, I couldn't tell. And, um you know, he he played a great game, especially in the rain, and and uh, you know, it's a it was a dream come true. I know uh, you're in the locker room preparing for the second half on a um, a drizzly Miami Sunday evening. Yeah. When, when the late Prince Rogers Nelson, in my opinion, for my money, Ben, put on mm-hmm. the greatest performance in the history of halftimes at Super Bowls. 
Have Have you ever watched that back to see exactly what he did? You know, it's funny you ask that, Paul, because um, after he passed, uh, it hit me that I had not ever experienced um, his performance. And so I immediately got online and I, I watched the whole thing and just, you know, got chills. Um, I mean, to, to, to be able to perform the way that he did, and as a guitar player, I'm not, not even close to, to, to his level of talent, but, but under, for me to be able to understand um, what he was doing on that guitar while singing, while rain was pouring down onto that stage, I, I, it's really unreal. And so, you know, I, I had a chance to write a great blog about experiencing that in a, in a unique way. But, but what an incredible, um, what an incredible timing for for him to be there singing "Purple Rain" while it's raining at Super Bowl Forty One. Ben, tell us about your book, "Counting the Days While My Mind Slips Away." Well, you know, um, an unfortunate end to you know to an exciting career, um, having to walk away from the game. Uh, really because of the concussion injury uh, and having an opportunity to, to kind of write a memoir about that. Um, the title comes across as a little ominous, but really the book is pro-brain, pro-game. It's, it's, it's all about the love of the game, and it's all about, um, you know, p- being vulnerable, talking about, uh, I think, neglecting, you know, the most important part of what makes me a, a man, and that's my memories and, and all the things that's connected to that. So it's a, it's really a book that's about perseverance and hope, and and um, I think it's, if anything, I think it, it, it sheds light on how, uh, how this game is, is so incredibly important to so many people and how the more we can continue to make it safe, I think the, the more fans we're going to continue to, have watching with uh with your run with the gophers uh 2000 to 2003 82 catches 1200 yards 15 tds uh really good tight end for the golden gophers you know what do you remember about playing with ron johnson uh well ron was a great leader i mean he um he's a great leader had an incredible work ethic uh he was someone that you could always get behind always follow um still remains to to be a great friend today uh and and i think you know uh, many people don't know this but i got i got recruited by the u of m as a wide receiver so that first year for me it was spent in in the wide receiver room uh with ron and so i learned a lot from him and and uh one of my breakout games paul against the wisconsin badgers i had a huge game two touchdowns one was a 75 yard 75-yard long touchdown. The only reason why I was able to get outside and run 50 yards down the field was was a block that Ron Johnson put on the cornerback, nice. and uh, got a great picture of it. So, um, you know, all around fantastic player, and we're glad to call him my friend. Last one, uh, 45 seconds. You get it all, Ben Utek. Super Bowl stories. PJ Fleck and um, and his run with the Gophers. How do you think he's going to do? I've never seen somebody come in with such a well-structured culture program, and so I think coming out of the the dungy, uh, coming out of the dungy locker room, and and understanding how powerful um, being able to practice a culture that breeds um, integrity and character, I think. Uh, is going to do nothing but help athletes reach their potential as athletes, and so I think if he if he has the right 
um, football strategies on top of his culture program built around what he calls family. Forget about me. I love you. If you can do that, then you will build a cohesive team that will be incredibly hard to stop. You're awesome, main man. Stay well. Let's stay in touch. All right. All right, Paul. Thanks, bud. Ben Utech, Super Bowl stories, nine to noon. How about your favorite radio station, FM 100.3, The Fan? 7.30 tonight, Chiefs-Patriots. Saturday, how about this doubleheader? J.D. Spielman and the Nebraska Cornhuskers at Oregon, 3.30 on The Fan. 9 o'clock in the evening, Grimm and the Gophers at Oregon State. Pre-game begins at 7. Then a trifecta in second and unfashion on Sunday. All of these games on the radio. I love it, baby. Woo! Pittsburgh at Cleveland, Seattle at Green Bay, and the Giants at the Dallas Cowboys. Hold on to your butt. Buffalo Wild Wings Crystal tomorrow for the first feast. PA in charge feasting tomorrow. Buffalo Wild Wings Crystal. For Eric Nordquist, who produces, I'm Paul Allen from the Bryan Heating and Cooling Studios. Thank you for listening to Nine to Noon. To listen back to a podcast of today's show, visit the Paul Allen channel on the iHeartRadio app or go to KFAN.com.